When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Dungeon Crawler Network presents Tales of Tamriel. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 87 of Tales of Tamriel, a Dungeon Crawler Network production. I am your host, the terrific Templar, Agelos, and with me this afternoon, we've got down below me, because it's just going to be easier here, is Esteldian. Esteldian, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, actually, so good to be back. Yeah, good to have you back. And now we're going to go back over to my other side over here the guy up in the upper i don't know right hand corner that would be avi the healing breton templar of amazingness how are you sir i'm doing good the healer is here <laughs> i know you've been having a lot of fun with that lately oh man it brought this game back for me nice nice and possible future heir to the throne, maybe. It's kind of one of those whole British line of succession things. I don't know. He could be Prince William. I don't know. Nate, how are you? I am very well, thank you, sir. Yes, I, was, I wasn't I was too close to the emperorship um, this month, but it was the first time that I, I felt that I, I'd finally grasped the heart of PvP in Cyrodiil, and uh, I got pretty close. Nice, nice, nice. Um, how? Well, I know we'll probably talk about it a little bit with the notes later, but I wonder how close did you get? Um, well, I know that I was the 13th, I think I was the 13th highest uh, Dragon Knight in okay. Azura Star and the EU server. And I think I was something like 120th um, in terms of total AP over the 30 days. Okay, that's pretty so. good. Yeah, I mean, for, I never, I didn't really play PvP um, before about six weeks ago, so I feel like I've just given myself some very intensive learning, training, running with a lot of really good groups. Um, right. So I've I've been learning a lot and doing doing pretty well. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm glad to have you on the show again. We love having you, and uh, we'll probably talk a little bit of lore later because we tend to do that every time you and I get together. We do. 
Yes, I can't wait. I, I didn't even plan any lore. This will just see what happens and what pops up. Um, but let's go ahead and we're going to roll right into the episode and we're going to talk about some news that happened around Tamriel this week. Uh, first off, as I catch another fish, ooh, it's a green fish. Um, there was some news on the official forums, which I guess we won't say is official news. It's just possible Cyrodiil changes. Um, I'm going to read these. Brian Wheeler made some interesting posts on the forums this week involving Cyrodiil and PvP. Uh, one of the threads states, this is from Brian Wheeler himself, there are a few things in the patch update after Orsinium, that would be the Thieves Guild patch, I believe, uh, to address some quality of life issues for campaigns and Cyrodiil, as well as including some changes to ability logic and how abilities interact with physics processes. We'll back in there. For Orsinium, Imperial City got a few fixes for ladder gankers, not really sure what that is, but we'll talk about that. Ladder gankers, I'm imagining what that is, is the people who sit in the sewers right underneath the district's entrances. Because you know how when you go through the Imperial yeah. City? Oh, in I, in I see, yeah, that'll be that'll be what it is. Yeah, that's got... When I first read it, I was thinking, like, leaderboard ladders. But then I... Yeah. Then as I thought about it, and... Okay, makes but sense. The pro- part of the problem with that, though, is that some of the district... like. EP or AD, but basically, I don't know why I'm naming them, the, the factions, they all yeah. have kind of a home district, right? Yeah. So some of them, it's a lot more easy. It's a lot easier to get your ass kicked, basically, in some of those. Well, yeah, because it's easy. I'm not going to sit there and camp out under a district. Like, if I go in and I notice there's 100 AD, I'm going to go to their district and camp there and wait for the people up in the in the areas to go, okay, I have enough stones, let's make our way back home through the district, because, you know, it pops out close to our entrance and we can run and bank. Um, so yeah. that makes that makes I, sense. I, I lost 800 stones the other day in one go. Ooh. That's kind of rough. Yeah, it felt, it felt amazing, as you can imagine. Mm. Yeah, it's always fun. If only you had 100 more stones and it got a solo kill, like, that person would have got the one achievement for getting like 901 kill is that it wow yeah there is an achievement for like i don't remember it's 100 400 and then like 900 stones in one kill oh i got i got one of those then in that case i got that and i got one about getting a a lifetime amount of some amount of stones collecting yeah yeah i think i'm up to like 10k on those i can't remember um your request for capturable districts as well as gated access to Imperial City across the board has not fallen on deaf ears. Uh, however, there are no plans to change the, that at this time. Um, he, speaking about capturable districts, they didn't they, when they first announced Imperial City back in QuakeCon, I guess it was, they talked about the districts being capturable? Um, they talked about it in as much as you could only get into Imperial City if your alliance owned certain districts, yeah. I could have swore there was some sort of thing where they were talking about... The way that I understood it was there were going to have capturable districts, but it might not have been about PvP so much as PvE, where you were able to push the Daedra back. Oh, I see. Could be, they, yeah. That rings the a way, bell. 
the way they described it made it feel more of a an interactive type of experience where you're actively pushing the enemy back and then if people aren't fighting in the districts the enemies you know in my mind's eye when i when they first announced it the way i had seen it was you would be able to clear out the district essentially and merchants and things would return to the districts and things like that as long as you kept everything at bay oh that'd be Um, be interesting that's how if you go back and listen to the QuakeCon, that's how they kind of sold it at least in my eyes but as most mmo people know things change whole ideas get scrapped when you realize they're not as feasible as they as they sounded um, and it just became essentially a quest hub. Now, they're fun quest hubs, but it, it wasn't quite the super interactive experience that I was expecting. Um, several things are currently getting worked on for campaign population. number of campaigns offered uh, needs to be finished before changing Imperial City rules across the board. Other discussions are still going on regarding town capture in Cyrodiil, more objectives slash flags for Cyrodiil, and improvements to what you can spend your AP on. Uh, A follow-up, campaign merging is hot on our plate, but we we have to get some restrictions removed, as well as allow players to unassign themselves before we compress population again on PC. This will result in players having AD, DC, EP all assignable to the same campaign. However, getting population together is more important aspect. Um, oh my. It is a, the more important aspect to get the critical mass needed for Cyrodiil. Ditching the alliance restriction and allowing players to reassign slash unassign themselves with cooldown in combination with getting several abilities reworked to make less physics calls will allow us to condense campaigns. That being said, we are discussing merging more campaigns sooner than later, but we'd like to get these changes all together before doing so. I want to touch on this. Is Do you guys feel like he's talking about being able to reassign your faction? Te- at least temporarily? I was confused about that, but I don't think that's what he's talking about. I don't know. The way they're talking about... See, I don't know. It just... it Condensing the campaigns... What, what's one of the major issues of campaigns? When you're on a fact... When your faction's fighting in one, it's you can't get into it, right? How does reassigning to a new campaign, especially when you lower the number of campaigns, going to actually help the population in balance? without being able to go world of warcraft just recently did this with what they called mercenary mode uh for certain battles like when one side had a bunch you'd be able to go into mercenary mode going oh um let's let's just say ep and dc are full okay um they're they're locked out you'd be able to sign in or you could sign in like it would go okay you will put you in a queue or you could sign up as mercenary mode and fight for the ad for this round yeah that makes sense i've seen it done in other games rift did it as well where you could just actually join different faction i mean i personally would rather sit in a queue than ever side with the ad but for some people that may be an option yeah me too but at the same time it doesn't really bother me thinking this gets put into the game See, I don't know if that's actually what they're talking about one way or the other, but it may be. It's hard to tell. Yeah. 
Nate, do you have any uh, thoughts on that? Um, as long as things don't break lore, I'm generally happy with anything. Okay. Uh, that I breaks mean, lore all the way. Well, technically speaking, we already have multiple races. A, a Nord sitting on the crown as the Aldmeri Dominion King of Cyrodiil is already breaking lore enough. <laughs> Yeah, but we have people who can play Nords. I mean, you're 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 essentially allowed. They kind of broke lore with the any any faction, any alliance type thing. Which oh, it, yeah, I don't see that as broken lore. It, it depends how you take it. Do I find it as broken lore? Not really, because in Elder Scrolls, it's always been go where. Even when you were playing Elder Scrolls Three, when it's about the Nerevarine, which is a reincarnated dark elf, essentially a Dunmer. You could play as any character when in reality, like they kind of force you into it. They don't really force you, but they make a suggestion based on what they design the story around. Because when you boot up, um, this is interesting. When you boot up Morrowind, what's the first character race when they design it? It hovers over Dunmer. When you boot up Skyrim, it's Nord. Nord. And same thing for Oblivion with uh, Imperials. Yep. No, you're right, because just like in Skyrim, uh, you can go to talk to Ulfric Stormcloak as a high elf, and he's like, oh, you can live in the nicest house we got and be my number one general, and it's like, oh, I'm a high elf, but uh, <laughs> okay. I'm against everything you stand for, but yeah, why not? Uh, sure, you're always, sure. always going to get turncoats, aren't you? That's, that's the reality of anything, so I well, didn't yeah. see it's law-breaking. Admittedly, when it became sort of more mass readily available i say that when it was a pre-order it sounded fine because then it was going to keep the races to a minimum which which is realistic you know no faction is going to truly have none of the other races in it um but then of course you could actually use various you can well it went to the crown store obviously but even before then you could actually pay one like one dollar and get a pre-order code from whatever site so it was a bit more readily available than originally planned with the idea of just pre-orders I think they did away with it altogether because I was at Walmart the other day just walking around and seeing the new uh, Xbox One and PS4 copies and all of them had that sticker on it says includes any race, any alliance. I'm surprised they got that there because it's a crown store item now and you can buy. Mm. Yeah. I'm surprised they'd leave the boxes with it on. It is kind of funny. I don't know if they bought it early or what. I don't know. Um... Let's see. The last thing that I'm trying to find in here is oh, AE caps, area effect caps, and anything ability related. Um, Robo and are the are Robo and the combat gang. They do look at the post polls and watch streams as well. So they're talking about AE caps and things like that. There is still something uh, we're still actively discussing regarding town capture benefits and other flags in Cyrodiil. Would you guys be interested in type of almost like events to capture towns like you can take over bruma or yeah Verville or something that'd be awesome it'd be neat if they were time activated account like you couldn't just they weren't just a flag not just another capture point because another capture point doesn't doesn't do much to me right it's just another flag so what um, would you what would you get if they if they did that like what's the the benefit is it just points I would either say a, a flat rate point, like I'd say capturing it, you get your flag put on the wall. Now the guards and everything are still what it is, so people can do quests and stuff. But it'd be a one-time event that people get points for, 
okay, for your faction, just a flat amount. I don't care. They can arbitrarily go about that number, uh, as well as I would say a huge amount of you know um, alliance points. Like it'd be an active, an active thing. But it needs to be sporadic. Like, it needs to be a random event that happens, like a call to arms, and it just appears on your map, kind of like uh, the cross swords do when people fight. They just yeah. need to have, like, silver cross swords going, oh, the Battle of Bruma is now active, and they need to have a, an algorithm that goes, it can it can happen once every four hours, and and then have it in there, in, in any one of the towns. So at any one point, with that amount of towns one would be going every hour, right? Like, or however many towns you do it, one every six hours, and then there will be at least one every hour, at least the law of averages would say so. Um, so it's not a constant, but it's a thing that goes, oh my goodness, Broom is up, let's go take it, because it's worth a lot of alliance points, and it gets us a, a flat rate, like a bonus reward towards our overall faction score. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I just sort of feel like if they're going to introduce that, they should introduce something that's more than just the alliance points because it feels like the incentive should be something bigger, like a, I don't know, an in, a permanent increase to the number of alliance points you get. Like that's the case of scroll ownerships. You know, you get benefits no, depending on how many keeps or home keeps and things you own. No, that makes sense. Like if you own the towns in your in your area you gain some sort of percent bonus yeah that'd be neat yeah because that's kind of what they do now but i don't know it sort of feels like that i didn't like the telvar stone system to begin with because it just felt like yet another currency so we've got gold we've got ap we've got now we've got telvar stones um but actually the effect that it has on the intense feeling of the game is is pretty big hmm. like you feel genuinely a bit nervous about turning corners in those sewers when you've got a load of tell stones. <laughs> yeah, you do. You know? Yeah, definitely. Unless you don't care about the tell stones like me. Yeah. Well, don't... I don't care about them, but I know that they're valuable to some people. I've never spent one. Oh, okay. But Whenever. I will at some point. And that's what matters. Well, it's the principle that you don't want to give anything away to others. So it's like, nah, I thought you only keep these. Yeah, so this is mine. Yeah, but I can them. earn all the others without the risk. Like, I took your advice from last week's show about selling all your rubidite ingots and sanded ruby ash and things. And I sold those for a buttload on the guild stores. Mm-hmm. And um, I just put my last batch on today at a slightly lower price just to make sure I get something good for them before Orsinium drops. Yeah, I really do feel like Orsinium is going to adjust that price a lot just due to the fact that it's going to be more readily available and in a safer way. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 And if that's the case, then I owe you a beer because <laughs> I was I... stacking them up to make all my vet or my uh, V16 stuff. Um, I'd recently made some V15 stuff and got those, you know, up to purple level and enchanted them, but not using up all my cooters and all that kind of stuff waiting and I was going to do my like do my greatsword, mm-hmm. and then I heard the show and I thought, "Huh, interesting idea." Put them on the guild store, and I did. And I probably made about fifty thousand gold out of that. So, oh nice! Thanks. I've nice. made so far almost half a million. Damn. Wow. <laughs> I've, I've made nothing, but almost yeah, half a million gold off of selling those items. 
because they're That's still going impressive. for 450 to 500 here per item on the on the store. Well, they're not going for that much when I where I sold them. Oh yeah, no. On on all our areas, it's still going for four to five hundred gold per piece for wow. the metal and for the cloth. I was gonna say, I've seen the smithing stuff going for five hundred on some of our stores, but I'm yeah. sure you get it cheaper. Yeah, no, that that seems to be about the average here on the U.S. mega server as well. But I know for a fact that as soon as Imper or uh, Orsinium comes out. It's going to affect the prices because people are going to be able to actually farm it without the the RNG of. I mean, let's face it. The only way to get it now is either by spending Telvar stones um, to, to buy the raw materials, which is a, a total pain in the bum, or by getting the RNG chance of finding a Rubidite item either from dungeons or from the sewers. Uh, which, you know, you can walk away with a couple, but that's still a good bit of time. And it's dangerous, at least for the the stone portion. Um, and getting one bar per per item, like you may walk away with maybe fifteen to twenty if you did a good sewers run. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but a good sewers run can take a couple minutes. I can farm more than that, plus get other stuff in a safer environment. Just I don't know, it just feels more relaxing. Well, the reality is you've got a lot of non PVPers anyway so yeah. the minute they can yeah. use Orsinium that's going to jump the market because they're all going to be doing their mining stuff and they say a lot of people like to farm nodes so even if not every node gives you your stuff people are happy to run a circuit for an hour two hours just gathering and gathering so yeah it's going to plummet I do that <laughs> I yeah. mean I'm doing that now um, doing that during the show I mean that's kind of what I do during the shows I, I log into the game and I don't actively do something that takes a lot of mental focus but farming or fishing doesn't just run around pick 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 and and then i walk away with by the time the show's done i go oh wow i have 300 bars 400 planks of wood you know i'm like well there we go i'm set all right Stop let's taking all the damn fishing holes and i might be able to walk away with something at the end of this show too well you know if you <laughs> fish you fish with me if you fish with people you actually have a higher chance of getting rare stuff when more than one person's fishing out a fishing hole. Good. All I'm here now. Yeah, stealing my fish. <laughs> I mean, the, the nodes get filled up faster, but you do get a higher chance of rare fish when you have multiple people fishing. That's why there's actually fishing guilds. I was fishing in Cyrodiil the other day. It's kind of an off story. But I got a message from someone going, I see you like fishing. And I'm like, well, I'm just kind of messing around with it. And they're like, well, we have a fishing guild where this is all we do. I'm like, the bloody really? guild for everything, isn't there? Really? Um, but their whole, per- and it's, it's neat that they have this. I'm actually, and Estellian, you know, you and I, we talk about this, like, but the old school MMOs, that fishing guild though, is something that would have happened in real life. Like, the fishermen get together and go, okay, we're all going to sell our fish for this much. And it became a guild. That's where the guild system actually came out during medieval Europe and all of that. The the craftsmen got together and went, let's all get together and then we can kind of set a minimum price so we don't get screwed. Um, But when people like to fish, if you're after those rare items, being in a guild where people, you know, you can actively go into chat going, hey, I'm going fishing. Where are people fishing? If I did that in any of my other guilds, no one would answer. 
because it's like, uh, I don't know, I do it during the show like you do, you know? Um, not actively doing that as active gameplay, but I actually add them to my friends list because I'm like, well, I'm kind of full on guilds now, but if I ever decide to go after those uh, fishing achievements, I'll be sure to look you up. Why not? PvE guild, PvP guild, trade guild, and a fishing guild. And a role fishing. play guild. You can have it all. Could you imagine that? That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? It would be. I got to admit, the last time I fished was probably back in my EverQuest days, and that's because you have to wait half an hour for a boat to turn up so you can actually get from somewhere to somewhere else. You sit there and fish for no other choice. I remember I've that in... Game. I've not done games since. Final Fantasy XI had that too, because the boat from Juno to Bastok took 30 minutes. Not, and that's if you were on the ride. Oh, I just got a blue fish. All right. Nice. Um, yeah, I got a glass head barrel eye. Nice. Which I think I got. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. They still sell for money, too. But the nice thing about fishing in this game is because of the Sigic Ambrosias, they actually, fishing is worth a little bit if you get one. Because I got one perfect row the last time I was here. And so, you know, that allowed me to make one one recipe which gave me four vials each one sold for 5k i made you know i made 20k from from the other night that worked out pretty well for me okay we're still on game news not off topic this let's talk about something that's a little negative i am going to say this and this is this is actually not from us so much as in the community as a whole there was a lot of negativity so let's Let's talk about that. This week, um, there was extended downtime spread over probably two days, uh, probably in preparation for Orsinium, is what I'm guessing is what the, the maintenance was for. But it was several hours. And when I say several hours, I'm talking upwards of like 14 plus each day. Um, let's let, let's first talk to nate about it and then i want to talk to avi because both of you were affected by this more than i was because the maintenance on the, at least the u.s started in the evening and then went to the early afternoon so i didn't really get affected because by the time i got home the servers were back up uh but nate i know that yeah. was a different story for you yeah it was it was it was pretty bad and it started in the UK, I think about 8 a.m., 8 or 9 a.m., and then went through until about 9, 10 p.m., which was just ridiculous. Mm. So it, it kind of meant that you couldn't do anything for the entire day. And I was keeping my eye on Twitter, um, at sort of at T-Sunline, mm -hmm. and the anger, the rage, the fury, the sheer hatred in on that feed during those hours was ridiculous it was quite funny i can tell you read it and the official forms were no better it was it brought out the worst in humanity hashtag first world gamer problems <laughs> yeah. oh man so true uh so true it, it's kind of weird see i feel like they did both data centers at the same time they did yeah yeah which which maybe didn't suck for the u.s side at least at least the nine to fivers, it didn't suck as much. I feel bad for like the first and second shift people because they probably got hit pretty hard. But or the us, nine to five, or us that lost our day off. Yeah, Avi. Yeah, let's talk about you. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I I had to call in the day 
that day because I was sick, and I even posted on Twitter. I was like, you oh. know what? The only cure is a ESO, is a day in ESO, and then the next day, I don't get to play any ESO. It's simple as that. I was very disappointed. It's very disappointing. I'm uh. sure I know they had reason, you know, but it, it was a it was a big inconvenience. Now. And a lot more time than they said it was going to be. And then they expanded the times and it went even far farther beyond that time that they said. And it was like, all right, just let us know when it's back on. I know uh, the only even on Reddit, people were going, when's it going back up? When's it going back up? And I remember seeing one post going, OK, guys, you might as well just go to bed. It's looking like another six hours. Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah. Six hours. Yeah. Now, I know it's frustrating, but eventually you just got to say, you know what? Just deal with it. Leave it alone. Go watch TV for the night. Nate, gone. Nate, you and I both work in the technology fields. And I mean, I, I felt bad for these guys because I know how these maintenances can go. So I, do I. But I also know that it's a lot better if you do them overnight when no one needs them. Yeah. Like yeah, doing it in the day true. is the thing I had a problem with. Like I wasn't angry that it took forever because, yeah, I've been I, I've been there and I've been on the other side of the fence where we've had sites down and I have people complaining at me thinking, why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? The problem wasn't so much the length of time. And I think their communications could have been better. Like their comms was pretty bad. I think the technical term is piss poor at best. It was yeah. really bad. You know, there was no tweeting going on. And then, and I think this was really just bad coincidental timing but bethesda the beth store put out a tweet about how there was new elder scrolls online gear available for now in the store and i just thought guys do you not talk to each other because you've got all of these people sitting on twitter telling you how much they hate you for ruining their game and basically saying by the way while you can't give us why we can't give you a game that you paid for why not go and give us more money i was like that's a marketing nightmare it was unfortunate Another funny thing they did is while it was all down, they posted one of their hundred of hundred reasons to play, and everyone was like, "Well, we can't even play." Yeah, <laughs> it was re- this, this reason. Doesn't it was really bad. Sense. But the thing is, I mean, so they needed to have do, done better with communication. They needed to be tweeting, you know, every half an hour, saying, "We're sorry, this is taking a long time." Giving some updates, putting some human faces against it, like post a tweet from the data center, like do something. And then there's been no follow up. I filed a. Because I wanted to um, see what the customer support was like. I just filed a um, like a bug request and saying like, you know, what compensation do we get? Like, not because I particularly want any or feel I'm entitled to it as such, but I wanted to see what the response is. And the weird thing is, I haven't even had a reply yet. I've had nothing, which for the support desk at Elder Scrolls is really weird. Um, so I'm not after anything free. You know, I think they should give out some free crowns or something like that. I don't, I'm not personally, I don't care. But I was I was curious to see how they would handle that on the customer support level, and for me, it's it seemed like they basically ignored the fact that it was unplayable for two straight days during you know essentially prime time for you guys, yeah, yeah. Like if it had started at three a.m. and it had gone on until three p.m., you would have annoyed a lot fewer people. Which it, it did for the U.S. side, which is why it didn't affect me. It affected people who took off or were in the morning, but it didn't touch me at all because yeah. I don't get home till five o'clock or so. So yeah, and the thing is, like some people work night shifts, and yeah. not everybody 
not everyone considers those prime hours. And in terms of the number of people on the servers in the day, it probably is lower than than mm -hmm. certain other times. But I think they could have picked it better. And if they couldn't have avoided the timing, they could certainly have done better with just saying, look, we're really sorry about this. And, you know, here are, here are some just apologies or some acknowledgements. I think what they... See, I might have missed this, but if I missed it, for somebody who follows your game... And this this is this is for your guys and trust me like I get yelled at for this all the time because it doesn't matter how much notice you give people when they want to get into a system and you're working on it it's never enough time for them okay so I understand that you're kind of dealing with that but I follow your game very closely and I didn't see any tweet or something but you really should have came out especially with something like this because you knew it was going to take a few hours it should have been posted a couple times over a few days like we should have already known about it like the wednesday before going hey guys monday's gonna be an extended maintenance okay so be prepared to maybe not play you know and then at least it, you would have looked at it and go oh they're doing extended maintenance this could be longer than an hour does that yeah. make sense it, yeah, it definitely. makes sense but you know what's really weird about this whole thing? I don't know who said it. Someone said this on Twitter. Like, if if the game was a car that needed this much maintenance this often, you would send it to scrap. <laughs> Aww. And uh, I thought that's a bit harsh, but I get their point. It does seem it it seems so regular. And this that last week, it was you know very bad timing, and it's probably prepping for um for Orsinium and things, but. I don't know what's improved. It took 12 hours. I'm not entirely sure what they did. See, you know? now, and I, I I will talk on that. Uh, World of Warcraft, I still go back to these. They do rolling restarts every Tuesday. Like, they have maintenance Tuesdays every Tuesday. Like, they don't even care. Um, so, every week maintenance, like, I, I do feel like that statement may be a little unfair because of other games do this and it, i mean it's actually a good thing to do reboot your servers once in a while yeah it, it, it totally of course it is it, it, it's like anything but the key thing to all of this is it doesn't matter you can do this do it every week totally fine do it in the day totally fine take 12 hours probably not totally fine but maybe mm -hmm. once every now and again the key thing is just communications like I, they, they just failed on the comms in my opinion well probably like you said we don't really know what the us is technical like we, we have a technical background so we kind of know the prep work it goes especially when you're doing a major update but the common populace the common gamer doesn't know this it would have been nice that if they would have at least did a summary and i know they probably can't do a lot of that because of you know proprietary information reasons yeah but they could have at least went okay guys the reason why this maintenance went so long is because it was here to address these issues to prep the servers for this 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 and this and you know and even even that won't be enough for some people because they could say okay we're doing this to reduce the insane lag in cyrodiil and mm -hmm. you would just get people saying i don't care about cyrodiil i only play pve so you know why do i care about this all they needed to do is acknowledge it because yeah. it, what it looked like is hundreds of tweets an hour telling people how much they hated the, them for the game being offline and they were saying nothing like nothing at all and I think if they'd have said something like, you know, for every half hour the game is offline, you know, we're going to give you 50 crowns to every player. 
um, when you log in, then that's it. All they all they need to do is tweet out saying, we're really sorry about this, but that's now 100 crowns you'll get. We're really sorry. I guarantee it would have diffused that problem just immediately. Within within an hour, it would have been completely diffused and people would have been like, okay, fair enough. They'd probably be like, keep it down a little longer, right? Yeah, like I want to buy that new, uh, that new gear coming with the inevitable crown store update next week. You know, stay offline all day. I don't care. Yeah, but, I, I, I do agree. Um, not so much for the U.S. I'm sorry, guys, but our time was actually with it. What I would say would have been valid time. And, you know, I'm I'm not saying because, you know, I like I like free stuff, too. But I do feel bad. The fact they had to service the EU mega server at the same time did negatively affect probably the majority of their player base. The U.S. had a few people who probably, you know, and I, I don't want to give some hate to the people who work other shifts. I'm sorry about that. But statistically speaking, there are less people on the servers at that time. We Ours fell within what I would consider normal maintenance. Now, I do agree with maybe doing that crown idea for every half hour after their stated time. If they said it's going to take 12 hours that's fine but if it goes over that then then there can be some compensation i don't think someone needs to have 50 crowns every half hour for a 12 hour maintenance if just they... thinking like the, the way that these things happen in the background is that like they will have been acknowledging this and talking about this because all of their community managers everyone looking at twitter all this they'll be having conversations email around going what the hell do we do what on earth do we do like mm-hmm. saying this or saying this they'll have people from the top getting complaints from the people who have like pardon me emailed Todd Howard and all this kind of stuff. And they'll be having these conversations between officers. Like, oh, yeah. They will have, I'm pretty sure, actively decided not to say anything because like, they will have had to have talked about it. And I'll tell you, I would imagine it's highly likely that they will have had a drop-off in subscriptions and they will be looking, they'll be looking at those figures and somebody will be getting their ass kicked for whatever it is for um for the game being offline that long and i think that's a real shame but hopefully it's just uh, it was a necessary evil next time maybe they can handle the comms a bit better um and hopefully the game will be better as a result i agree communication does help it really does please make my game brilliant please fix lags in cyrodiil and please give me all the stuff that i'm going to tell you that i think we should have uh, in the discussion section. <laughs> please improve the load screens. That'll do. Oh my god. Please improve the load screens. <sighs> those load screens. How those load screens ever got out with this length of time is beyond me. Because I've seen babies like grow in, in human bodies and be born in the time it takes for some Cyrodiil <laughs> screens to load. And learn to speak. My son's already standing between my load screens. Exactly. <laughs> On the bright side of the long low screens, you won't miss anything from the child's growing up. This is true. Then you time true. to watch it all. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. Yeah. All right, let's talk about something a little bit more exciting because the maintenance that we're assuming was the reason for was because, guess what, guys? You'll be able to download this episode. You're probably listening to it right now, and the servers are offline again, but this time for Orsinium. That's right. The PC side is getting Orsinium on Monday, November 2nd. Yay! Yay. Yeah, both, both servers as well, isn't it? It's not yep. even... Yeah, yeah, it's it's both EU and, and US. Uh, consoles are getting it, um, I think it's next week and the week after for... Or no, no, it's, it's two weeks from now, isn't it? Why am I drawing a blank? 
not sure. Someone should Consoles. move that. Yeah, it's coming out one day earlier for, I think, Xbox. Yeah, it's because they do Tuesday maintenance for Xbox and Wednesday yeah. maintenance for PS4. But I think it's the following week. I think. Right, yeah. Sounds about right. Um, yeah. Poor Ivy, you're on consoles, aren't you? No, he's Negative. on PC. No, no PC. Set, set I'm on PC. Yeah. Oh, set, set sorry, of course, Setsu is on yeah. consoles, yeah. Yeah, he sorry. was... We'll talk about that. We were, we were healing dungeons like crazy, so... Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I do know it's, this, but sometimes I get I get confused. You know, it's 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 hard being human. We're we're I, a growing. I, 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 forgive, I forgive you, Nate. Don't worry. Thank <laughs> you. It's all good. Uh, I saw uh, your Xbox tweet earlier that release. you're enjoying the game so much more yes, recently, I and I was like, oh yay! Yeah, mostly think... because I'm healing now, so it's gave me a whole new whole new look I... on the game and grouping. Healing and grouping. I I re- actually yep. yeah, I'm enjoying with the game people. because Avi's enjoying the game more. Because guess what? Hey, Avi, let's run a dungeon. I'll heal it. And Ark's there going, I'll take it. I'm like, well, that's perfect because that's what we need. <laughs> yeah. The last two dungeons we ran, we didn't even get another DPS. Yeah, we just, yeah, we got <laughs> one tank, one healer, one DPS. One, eh, forget it. Yeah, the roof rate. Nice. We don't we need it fine. anymore. We did fine. Three of us nice. were like, we could take this. We got this. <laughs> oh, somebody was just. Who's like, that? Who's that? Who's that jerk? I have no idea. Runs up and starts hitting us. I actually didn't know if it was somebody else, but I'm like, who would that have been? Because the only person who does that to me is you, and you're standing right next to me. We had a random person. Or Ark when he throws water, a bucket of water on you and runs away. (laughs) Right, right. All right, so Orsinium coming out. What are we looking forward to doing first and foremost? Let's just kind of go around and talk about that. I'm going to go ahead and start with uh, Avi. Oh, man. You know, I was so excited for the Maelstrom Arena, but now that I'm doing all this healing, I'm more excited for the dungeons that are already in the game. But really, it's Maelstrom Arena and the story. I'm excited to see how the new story is going to progress, how much better it's, just, how much better and more uh, detailed it's going to be than their original zones and simple stuff like that. Kind of like with Craglorn. You go into Craglorn and you can just feel the difference. You can feel the improvement with the story, with the structure, with everything about it. So that's mostly what I'm excited about, just to see how much more better they're getting with the stuff they're adding. Excellent. Uh, let's see. Next up, Nate. What about you, sir? Um, well, I've always been interested in in the fact that I find orcs boring, and I don't think that they are. So I'm looking forward to finding out why orcs aren't boring. Uh, they're pig children. Something like that. Yeah. But um, I agree with the with the comment about the zones. I think. You know, when you look at Craglorn, when you look at um, Imperial City as well, how that's been designed and laid out, the dungeon design is, you know, they've always been really good, I think, with dungeons and delves. But you can definitely tell that the more recent ones have had a lot more. There's a lot less copy pasting going on, it feels, in, in some of the more recent releases. So that's definitely something I'm looking forward to seeing applied to his zone as a whole. Um, and uh, I suppose just, just generally getting ex- more excited about more PVE content just in general i've yeah i just feel like the reason i've got so into the pvp stuff recently has been because i i don't want to say i'm bored with the pve i just feel like um some of the other aspects are more enjoyable to me at the moment and so i'm kind of looking forward to just getting that that pve excitement back um with some new content well, that's the best part about MMOs, right? The ability yeah. to have multiple different things and go, I'm kind of tired of this, but I'll go do this. 
Yeah, exactly. Like it, it's, I know for, I, right now I'm just loving PvP, and I mean right now both figuratively and literally because I'm in Cyrodiil as we speak. Um, and I'm just, I'm loving it. I find the challenge interesting. I find the way that um, the teamwork is essential in in Cyrodiil, and I'm, I begin, I realize that I'm getting good at it by noticing when I see that other people are being stupid, and <laughs> I want to tell them off. So that's been quite interesting. Nice. I actually do want to play off what you guys were saying about the zones. Um, not because it's one of my favorite things, but uh, I'm curious to see both one, the the phasing, how it's been improved, because they have said that the phasing has been improved and that it's easier to play with your friends. Thank goodness, because we all know that the current phasing is terrible. Um, it's just very hard to play with a friend who 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 is trying to do the quest and stuff like that, especially if they go above or beyond second Nate, I think you hit, hit the nail right on the head with your statement about how the delves and stuff have less copy paste. Um, but in a development side of you, if you think about it, a lot of that is because when they were developing the game, they had on their project list, you need to develop 30 new delves. Uh, Okay. So, But when they do these expansions, it's like, here's the Delve you're working on. This is the only one. So it's a little, you're not looking at your list and go, oh, wow, I have 29 more to go. Let's just hurry up and get this one done. It's, on that note, they they were working on this game for like, what, seven years? Well, yeah. So it's not like they didn't have time to do a few extra Delves ideas, but I know what you mean. It was a lot to get done all all at the same time. And they probably had a whole bunch of standards that, you know, Every delve has to hit certain standards, even if the standard is that they have to have something new in them. They still have a, a design philosophy, a, a language, a design language for all of these things. So, um, Well, they went back and remember they were doing that for the first couple updates where they went and they were enlarging the delves in the different zones. Remember that? Um, oh, yeah, they did. That's right. That was, every, that was every ages update. ago. Yeah. Every update, they went and did another set of zones. It's because yep. they, they actually were so small. Like, in retrospect, they were really quite little. Yeah. They were tiny. Is it sad, though, that the game with me, getting with my ult, got onto those new ones, and then, oh, I don't like this at all. It's taking me longer to find where the boss is for me to run to, kill, and leave. <laughs> it's like that, that weird, terrible instinct. It's like, you know, real beautiful, improved Delve. But I was so used to just being able to run in, grab a sky shard, kill a boss, and leave very quickly. Yeah. I was like, oh, how inconvenient. I've got to actually search this place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, that was pretty bad. What's really what's really fascinating and off of this is I'm watching Avi dig through his fish Did and every time that? every time he gets a special glow, I look over at his camera, he gets a big smile on his face. <laughs> no, he just got a perfect row. I got two of them. Yeah. I've never got a perfect row. I've got I've even got I collected all the fragments mm-hmm. for um uh you know for the Sigic Ambrosia and and I've got all the purples, I've got hundreds, hundreds of Frost Miriam and everything else. And I've never got a perfect row. Admittedly, I haven't fished super hard, but hard enough to feel like I should have got at least one by now. Hmm. You know so what I have you to do? Join a fishing I, guild. Join a fishing hey. guild. I just got imagine? my first two ever. So, Do you have Today? the recipe, Avi? No, I'm sending them to you to make me some. All right, I'll make them for you, and then Ooh. I'll send them back, and then you won't have to buy scrolls. You'll be able to use them. Yes. Uh, keynote get your fishing up on your carrot or your cooking up and get the, the trait for the extended drinks. So they last longer extended drinks and multiple, 
outlets per whatever it is, multiple items per crafting attempt or something. Well, yeah, that's what I have, and I'll be making them for him, but if he's going to drink them, he wants yeah, that, that yeah, extended drink. That. So it, or something in it. Yeah, because if he doesn't, then they only last 30 minutes. If they do, they last like an hour and a half or however long it is, so you got essentially three hours worth of experience potions yeah. uh, from the two. And I, I may, and that's from just a single one, I guess I should say. And I make four at a shot. So right now you'll get eight potions back. Wow. Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't even remember what we were talking about before. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> so happy right now. It looks like this is going to be our new show hobby, huh? Fishing. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Fishing guilds. Fishing yeah. guilds. You'll be like scales of Tamriel. Scales of Tamriel. <laughs> I'm going to get a message. What was the name of that person for that fishing guild? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. will, definitely. All right, guys. Let's go ahead and move into our discussion topic for this week, because we did kind of talk about that. Actually, no, we didn't finish everyone yet. I am sorry. Um, Steldian. Orsinium. Uh, yeah, finally, I'll look forward to actually finally getting my Templar to VR16. You keep talking different. about that because I have to use the restroom, so you keep going. Oh, right, oh. I'll keep going about that. <laughs> yeah, no, finally get around to getting my Templar to VR16 maybe because he's been sitting retired on 15 for quite a while now. Um, and I look forward to doing the actual quest line throughout and join the story of Orsinium with myself and the wife so that we'll get both our characters to VR16. And, and you want me playing as well? Because I thought that was the best thing I've ever heard. That the three of you play raids together. Oh, oh, oh my mother as well. Yeah, yeah. That, that was really yeah, fun to hear. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I got it. It's just me and the wife adventuring. But my, uh, yeah, no, I've done a few things with the public dungeons with my mother as well. I, w- I but... wish my mum would play Elder Scrolls. That would make me so happy. <laughs> but yeah, so... We'll be doing that, get ourselves to VR16, and hopefully get some nodes and actually make VR16 gear, because that would be nice. I'm still wearing my VR14 stuff. Um, other than that, that's probably the main thing about Ossinium, just getting through to max level, doing the quest line through it. Always enjoy seeing the quest for the first time around. Uh, that's probably all I'm really interested in. I might do the arena sometimes while we're on the podcast. but Nice. Yeah, I might do that too. Otherwise, I don't see myself being on it much. It's not really my kind of thing. Yeah, you're more group-focused rather than solo. Um, yeah, well, you know, even the questing, I mean, the questing's a bit easy with two of you, but, you know, at least, at least we can do it. The idea of sort of going, right, I'll go do my from Arena. Wife, the wife can do her from Arena. We'll just sit there and solo away for hours on end. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so on the podcast, maybe, but otherwise, I'll be leaving that place alone. Nice. Um, I'm most excited about farming for um, VR 16 gear. Because uh, I'm still wearing VR 14 myself with a few exceptions. Um, before I knew about the nodes, I was making some VR 16. I was, I was just skipping VR 15. I was just like, yeah, I'll save. Why waste it? So I have like two VR 16 pieces and then the jewelry. Um, I, I, I'm excited to do Maelstrom Arena because of the content it is. I'm not excited about the rewards just because my current set 
requires me to have something else. So the the Maelstrom weapon is at least for right now isn't rated very high. Now that may change, but for right now it's not really best in slot for anybody that I know of. Uh, for any build or anything like that. So I'm not in a, a great hurry to get it. Where before I kind of was, because in VR14, the master weapon actually would have been fairly good for my build. Because um, I could have went like two <clears throat> two shoulders, five hundings, three jewelry, and then a master weapon. Um, but that's not really the case going forward now it might because maybe i'll go with two set molig kenna five hundings and then agility necklaces and stuff like that and then go master i don't know but the fact that it affects uh the the charge which i don't actually have on my bar anyway and it doesn't affect it so far at least math wise that makes it go oh wow this is actually a skill you want to put on your bar now um it's not that big of a deal to me. Now they, they nerfed it, didn't they? Originally, it was like eleven thousand something extra damage, and then they changed it. Yeah, they might have. Like even if they nerfed it, they probably nerfed it for PvP reasons. Because PvPers will go, oh yeah. But I'm mostly a PvEer, and other than the occasional gap closer, there's not really a need to to do it. I mean, it's just not. Um, at least as far as I can tell. Now that may change, but I don't know. It may, it may not. We'll have to see. Um, so if I get it, great. Now if they ever do one for like Executioner, which would be probably be the next one in line, if if they're doing it the third one, that'll be Executioner on the two-hander. Oh, I will most definitely be getting that. Because pretty much anything you do to improve Executioner it, is going to be amazing because executioner is like the best execute out there um i guess the radiant oppression is really good too if you're magicka but it's really hard to beat executioner as a two hand as a melee stamina type damage it just hits like a truck just absolutely hits like a truck um so yeah that's kind of kind of it for what i'm excited for i mean other than the story of course which to be honest I don't think I'm even going to actively do the story because um, I'd like to do it with my wife and we still haven't even done all of Silver yet. So it could be a while till I actually do the story. I don't know. But we'll see. Well, one thing actually I've got to mention I'm excited about. It's not quite with Orsinium, but obviously they're bringing out that whole multi-faction thing uh, for looking for group. Oh, now so, that is true. So that's cool going forward. But obviously I assume they're eventually going to expand that to being able to make your own group up and go and do a dungeon so i do look forward to finally being able to do a dungeon with nate sometime in the future with his yay because you're a dirty dirty dc dc yep (laughs) you guys sound so bad as the ad guys i swear to god the ad uh what's it called um uh, basically they're just on giant uh lt charging trains just running around farming EP out the of Zerg. AP oh, out of EP. Oh, just the crazy yeah. Zergs. But they honestly, they like, I don't quite know how they do it because they look like a swarm of wasps running around, and they've been really frustrating me this week. Yeah. So I'm glad it's I'm glad it's not Dirty DC. Yeah, 
I, I did forget about that. I'm glad you mentioned that because that will definitely help me with the key farming, which also will help because A, I need lots of helms and stuff and trying to get the proper trade is always difficult. But it will also help to get the mercenary style, which only comes out of the undaunted chess. So nice. um, I'm hoping everyone has been saving their keys. I know I did a PSA last week and I think I did a PSA announcement in our guild message telling people save your keys because when you open up those chests there's a chance to get the motif pages for mercenary so I still have my measly 10 keys from before imperial came out (laughs) oh really you're still holding them yeah I'm I'm a BR16 am I (laughs) oh that's true that's true that's very true um okay well, let's go ahead and move right into our discussion topic, which is guild banks and traders, current state, and how we think we could improve them. So this was actually uh, a subject brought to us by Nate. So yay, Nate. Yeah. Um, that was me. That was you. Let, let's first talk about, I guess, the guild traders and guild banks and uh, Nate. Since this is sort of your idea, I'm kind of curious to hear some of your thoughts off the top of your head. Sure. Um, the the idea behind the guild stores, I think, are really good in general. And I think they have a decent implementation for some people presently. But there are a bunch of problems that even plugins and add-ons and things can't fix. One of them is search, which has been really problematic, I think. Um, it's you, you know If you're a member of three trading guilds, which I am at the moment, then you you can't search them all for an item you want. You can't search by um, item type, which is a, a real... I mean, it's, it's difficult to sort of put into words maybe what I'm thinking the problem is, but unless you're actively in one particular trade group in one guild store, then it's difficult to sort of see where out of all the stores the things you're looking for might be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Are you using any add-ons for that? Just, I've used a couple in the past, but they they sort of they weren't kept updated very clearly. Awesome guild store, look for that. That'll that'll help with the search. Now, I love awesome guild store for what it is, but it really should be native in the game because you should download awesome guild store and try it out and look at. It allows you to search independently for like type of item. You can even look at jewelry and go, okay, I want it only with an arcane trait, only with this, and it will search it. And I it's imagine yeah. playing using the guild trader without the awesome guild store. It would just drive me mad. Yeah, I've never heard of it. I got to get that. I'm oh, actually God, that's that's how I am. If I don't have it, like if I get on another computer that doesn't have it, I don't even search guild stores because no. the sheer clunkiness of of the current guild store is is that way. It's just like really. It, Awesome Guild Store, uh, Zoss, is like a perfect thing that you want to look at implementing naturally. Like, it's I really em- think it should be part of the game. It's embarrassing it's not part of it already. And a game this modern does not have... I mean, I don't know if they've changed it since, because I've had Awesome Guild Store since God knows how long. But every time you went to a new guild trader, it reset the whole bloody search yep. originally. Yeah. And what's that about? Is that still happening? It's just ridiculous. It's like, oh... 
at least with the awesome guild store, it doesn't it reset your search. Entirely, yep. So if you're yep. looking for a ring, you just go from person to person to person to person. You can't have a guild trader set up like they've done in this game rather than a, a general auction house and not have the capability of making the search as convenient as possible when you go from each individual guy. It's mm-hmm. just ridiculous what it's set up with now. So awesome guild store is... Mm. It, all I have to do is hit the search button. Each time I talk to a person, talk to him, hit search, and it keeps all the stuff. Like if I was searching for a keyword like I was doing earlier for the um, last episode when we were talking about the, the Magicka build. And you're like, well, get rings of the healer. They're cheap. I literally typed in healer, went ring, blah, 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 and went just ran around and just started searching that way. Because um, I couldn't imagine doing it the other way manually. So slow. I did it once when through. bugged oh. out after IC, I think, came out. So obviously the first few days, your add-on's usually broken, so I couldn't use that one. And I just, yeah, no, no buying for me for a few days because <laughs> it's just not worth the hassle. I really I would cry if Awesome Guild Store ever just stopped updating and no one ever picked it up because it, it really exhausts. You really should pick it up. because well, it, but... it, Even does the uh, when you talk to a guild trader, normally you have to sort of, click on the first option or whatever so you talk to the guild trader then you have to click yes uh, i want to look at your guild store uh-huh. or whatever it's even got it now where it automatically does that process for you so as soon as you click on the trader it immediately goes through that screen does like e for you or whatever and immediately takes you straight into the trade window yeah that's, like, that's, such a that's tiny nice convenience but when you've gone yeah. through if you're going from like 10 different traders that, that one little process is really annoying i will say it is a pain in the butt though if you're trying to bid on the trader if you're one of the people <laughs> trying to do it because it kicks you in right away you're like oh so you pretty much have to like position your mouse directly over top of <laughs> where it says bid on trader and then click really quick um but no that, that should definitely be something that's just innately part especially with how you have your system see I don't see I'm torn on this. I would almost prefer and I know it would actually pretty much kill the market, but it kind of already has its own set value for a lot of stuff would be a type of global auction house. But it not but it worked closer to Guild Wars Guild Wars 2 where you don't see individual listings so much as you see buy and sell offers that get posted on a general board. Now, that would the problem with that is and I know a lot of our, our guild people that would kill off a lot of guilds because a lot of guilds that are specifically for buying and selling of guild traders, it, it really does it. You know, that's what they do and it would kill off their entire market. Um, but I would almost say the, the guild traders should just become traders where you can walk up to any trader and throw items on there and you could place buy or sell orders. And you throw it up there, and then it does it on like a first come first serve basis, where it goes, okay, I'm putting mine up for a gold, and the, and everyone else goes, okay, uh, you'll see a hundred sell orders for one gold. People are going, okay, I'll match you and do one gold, and then you'll see buy orders going. Well, I'll buy, you know, so I, there's I, someone's going, I want a hundred uh, Hemmings, and I will pay twenty gold a piece versus. The buy orders were going, I'm selling, you know, Hemmings for 25 and the people can either wait for someone to go, I just want my money instantly because that's what Guild Wars 2 does. They literally make you put the deposit down. So if you wanted 100 Hemmings at 20 gold, it it would make you put, you know, uh, 2000 gold down. It would take it out of your mar- your thing and hold it there until it was sold. Um, 
and that was a way of instantly getting it or trying to do a a sell order which you could mark your own price and then hope someone goes i just want the item instantly i'm not willing to wait i'd love buy orders that'd be great i'd actually probably bother selling stuff at that point because i'd have a look at oh someone wants this stuff here you go because like i said with the the traders moment i don't sell because i can't be asked to put things on if they're not worth 10 or so thousand gold because i can't bother to put them on there hope it sells rather than getting sent back to me in 30 days time whereas if i could just look and someone saying i want to buy this yeah it's not mm-hmm. probably as much as i'd like to i could make out of it if i actually went and sold it on a trader but i'd take the instant thing hell i sell the crap to the merchant otherwise so I'd could you imagine if it, it could you imagine if it worked the other way around though as well this is some of the ideas that i've i've had around this is um you know if it's a want to buy list so if you say, okay, look, I want to buy like a hundred cooters, and here's what I'm prepared to pay. Mm-hmm. Why, why not allow that as a listing and and allow you to go and fulfill it? It might help people who get stuff and don't know what it is, and they have it stashed in their bank to go and have a look and see what they've got and sell it. Well, that's I, exactly how Guild Wars Two does it. Yeah, because right? like, that, yeah, that's exactly it. You can have buy and sell orders. Like I can literally go up there and go, I know how much a cooter's worth, so I'll go up and go saying I'm selling a hundred cooters for. 4k a piece and i could throw yeah. them up there and they go up on a, on an auction board and they go out of my inventory the item goes out of my inventory into a database someone could literally go with a buy order going i want to buy 100 kuchas i'm willing to pay 3.8k um and it, the money goes out of their out of their wallet and onto the board and if i'm sitting there going okay i've been trying to sell these they haven't sold forget it oh i'll just i'll take the 200 cut and i'll accept this guy and you could do it in in quantities you didn't have to have a hundred you literally go okay i'll sell my two to this guy and the board would go okay well at 3.8k this is how much money you would get and it just sucks it out and sends him the two kutas from you and you get the money yeah oh that's it's a wonderful system i will i will say this however this was a problem guild wars 2 had early on and it's not so much of an issue now but it was early on, and the problem with the global auction house with the buy-sell orders is people undercutting to the point where I was seeing certain items that you got a lot of, so think Void Steel, was selling for less than what you could vendor it for. Like, people just didn't pay attention and going, okay, a vendor will go, I'll give you 10 gold per, and people were throwing it up for 8, eight gold per thing. So you were actually putting it up on the market because people weren't paying attention to what it it was worth less than what it would be if you just sold it to a merchant. And wow. that happens when you have a global auction house because people can see what everyone's asking and everyone just wants to undercut. So common items, you would start getting the point where common items would not be worth anything and you would just trash them, which people tend to do now with like the green upgrade materials anyway because they're so common I mean, who's going to put them up for 25 gold when you can get them almost anywhere? Or Taz. Like, who's going to buy Taz ever? And that's what would happen to Taz. Taz would literally go probably on the market because everyone would just throw them up on the market board going, I just, I don't want to hold them. Maybe someone will buy them and they'll throw them up and people will keep going, okay, I'm going to do it for less and less until they're not worth what you could sell them on on a vendor for. Just trash vendor. And and that is a problem with the global auction house issues, especially when everyone can see the prices. Right now, people will sell things and going, oh, on this guild store for half a million gold. 
Whereas other guild stores are selling them for a million gold or someone's going, I have no idea what it is. And I put it up for 10 K because they don't know. And they didn't search the guild stores to find out what the average price is. Yeah. Isn't that happen already though? Like it just, people just undercut and undercut. So you just see guild stores with just an increasingly large list of prices, just all going up to the, from the, from the acceptable to the ridiculous. Oh yeah. Uh, I'd, you do, but I find that the guild stores tend to keep within reason because I guess maybe it's because they're part of a guild, so they don't ridiculously undercut because quite often a proper trade guild are probably quite cohesive in what they're going to sell things at, saying this is the kind of price you put these things at, don't go below whatever. So they've probably yeah. got some quite annoying because you can tell by the fact that things, by now, in theory, things should be so dirt cheap that you should be able to pay for things that. Whereas I'm guessing the agility rings and stuff probably still cost a small fortune. Whereas yeah. anything like that would drop quite rapidly, and on certainly in previous games I've seen with a, a global auction house, because someone has it, if it costs 120,000, people tend to cut by like five grand a pop, and then once you start getting low and low, it becomes a silly thing where you get one gold less, another gold less, another gold less, and it keeps changing like that. But it seems, I guess maybe it's because you've got a limited population of 500 people per guild trader anyway, so mm-hmm. it's only the 500 putting things on, so the chance of them all having the same thing, of course minimizes it so you might only have 30 people selling the same stuff well here's one thing about the guild traders that i will say there is actually like a confederation of guilds that actually all work together um and they have standard prices i've been in guilds where i would put something up and i'd get a mail from somebody in the guild going hey we know she put an item up for this amount as a guild we are saying the minimum price for this is this much can you please change it like, uh-huh. and it's normally more than what I'm asking for, but like uh, one of the guilds was enchanters were literally selling purple enchants and they said, we are not going below 1500. And I put it up for like 1250 or something like that. And someone's like, listen, all of us enchanters in the guild made a, a, a pact. We're not go 1500 is our minimum price. That way we don't undercut each other like crazy and, you know, essentially drive the market down. And there's a whole guilds, like there's guilds, there is a guild that I've gotten invited to several times that is essentially a guild of nothing but guild masters who of other guilds who are trade guilds so that they can work together to find it's out. It's a cartel. What, it is. It actually <laughs> That's pretty cool. is a I like cartel. That. Of, and, they, is. and they go together to find out how much, you know, they work together to try to figure out so everyone gets a guild spot and they find out, like, you know, they're t- actively telling people, OK, I'm going after this guild store so the other people in the group won't do it so they all can have guild stores. But the thing is, y- you know, and, and they do set minimum prices. Why do you think the the price for Ta and or not Ta, but the, the legendary items have been hovering in the three point five to four uh, K since launch? Hmm. Because these guilds got together and said, listen, this is the cost we're deeming this. And they tend to they tend to buy up the low stuff and resell it for this. And now all the markets are showing it at three and a half to four K. Um, except for when new DLC launches, then they go up around five K because people are upgrading gear, right? Um, but that's what they're doing. These guilds are getting together and essentially have a cartel of this is what we're doing and this is how much we want to see stuff go for. It's kind of genius, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's really genius. Damn Illuminati. <laughs> it's, all, it's, it's kind of annoying, though. I think the other, the other thing that I, that I uh, wanted to suggest talking about was um, sort of the next stage for guild traders, for, um, you know, 
the, the guys you bid on and, and have outside because it feels to me like they're they're a missed opportunity they could be doing a lot more a lot better you could you should be able to find them there should be a database of them somewhere they should be you know there should be another incentive to be using them other than just making money you should they should be a service and they're, they're meant to be a service and i don't think that I don't know. I tend to just look at the zones and see which guild traders are closest to a way shrine that have more than one or two guild traders there and travel to it on the off chance that someone's selling, you know, a cooter without knowing what it is for like 300 gold or something. Yeah. You know? Well, see, here's here's the idea. And I'm going to I'm going to mention this. The guild traders are a wonderful idea for immersion. OK, let me let me let me finish my whole thought here. For immersion, like one of my favorite animes, Sword Art Online, where they like were stuck in the world, like it, it made it feel like you're there. Like you wouldn't, there are, well, other than in this internet age, there's really not a, before you would, you would go around to the different merchants, you would hackle your wares and you would try to find the best price by shopping around. In this super modern internet age, everyone just goes, oh, everything is just right here. This is the average price. And modern MMOs go with that. That's the global auction house. People just know how much stuff is. So you can't get that deal of someone not knowing what they have. Um, But at the same time, modern gamers don't like that immersion. They, They want it to be quick. You know, they would rather have the global auction house. How many times when they first announce these did people go, can't we just have a global auction house? Yeah. And, and smaller guilds do have the issue of are they even able to get a guild store because of these cartels out there that control the major cities and a lot of the smaller ones? Like if you're not part of this cartel guild, you're probably not going to get a guild trader. It, it's and just then, the it make, then it makes it pretty much impossible to sell anything. And- that's the yeah. one thing I don't like about this game is that I don't I can't sell my stuff unless I'm part of a, a guild store that's active and has a nice place unless I want to do it through zone chat. Yeah. But you see, that's, that's an issue. issue. Nick was saying about that's the the random the random traders around the place. I mean, the fact that there's a trade in the middle of nowhere isn't the problem. It's the fact that it's just one single trader. I say I, I look at my map. I do the same thing. I look, see where some traders nearby. If it's just one guy, I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to bother going through an ESO lo- load zone, loading yeah. <laughs> God knows how long for the sake of one bloody trader. But you know, I don't give a crap where the place is. If there's five traders there, I'll go there. So it can be in the middle of nowhere. If there's a bunch of traders there, I will go and do them. But having one random guy stuck here and one random guy stuck there is yeah. just really pointless. Yeah, that's, that's a that. good point. And if they actually grouped them up, suddenly they'd be because at the moment people say, "Oh yeah, they've got." The place in Reaper's March, you've got Stormhaven, maybe, and you've got the Craglawn. Well, mm-hmm. there's loads of places in the game. It's just they happen to be conveniently with a decent number of merchants all quite close to each other. So the simple solution is to have even more merchants all over the place, and then suddenly everyone can afford it. It's not nearly as expensive because there's so many traders around to grab, and you can you can make a home saying, hey, come over here, because there's six different traders all in this place of nowhereness, and you know you must make it a new place. Here's an idea um, that I thought about. Personally, I like the guild traders, but the modern gamers would much rather have the global auction house with the buy-sell orders. I personally, I wouldn't mind that because I think as a gamer, people would sell easily if you could just go to a board, throw it up, and go. 
Now, I like the way it is. So let's just say they're not willing to completely scrap guild traders, okay? Here's my idea. All the guild traders have a local board you can go to, and all the boards are interconnected, and you can just literally search every guild store out there, no matter its location from the board. However, if you buy it from the board, it adds a, a certain fee to it, like for the buyer. Yeah. So by going to the bar, it's a 10% fee on, on the board. Or you could go try to find it on one of the traders. Now they probably kind of like, like a courier service. They'll, well, bring, they'll bring exactly. it to you and bring it back. I have, I have a question you did like that. People would set up their market boards in their house. And if you, you had a global place you could look, and if you decided to buy it instantly from where you were standing, you paid a hefty tax, 10 or 20% more. Yep. Um, but if you want to go into the local place and find it, you could do that. And that would be great. If they did that, that would be awesome. Some people would go, I'm, I'm willing to pay the 10% convenience fee just to buy it from the board. Um, but some people would go, okay, no, I know that there is a an item out here, you know, a, a Kuta rune that's being sold for so much less or, or, um, or a, a ring of agility that's, you know, half a million gold. I'm not willing to pay 10% on that. I'll go find it. You know, that that would be a way of I think that would be a perfect way of making the traders more viable so that you didn't yeah. have to search. It would be a local board that interconnects all of them and you could search everything from that board. But to buy from that board had a convenience fee attached well, to it. If that's too global, I'd at least want it to be literally like per zone. So a board would let you see all the traders within that zone. So if you want to go to. Clenumbra, you could go to this board in town or whatever and see what everyone's setting I'm, in that zone. I'm almost fine if it was by faction instead of by... What they should have is one for each faction because you got to think about it. Other than a handful of zones, they only have... Like, Mournhold has the big four or big six or whatever in Mournhold, and then there's, like, two that are just randomly placed in the zone. Now, that's a bigger zone. But is it worth putting one board in each location or would it just be cooler to do... Here's Ebonheart Pact, here's a... Uh, Daggerfall Covenant, here's an Aldmari Dominion board, and then you could have a a neutral board for the zones like Orsinium. Uh, I don't I don't think it should be cross-faction, because I don't like the idea of selling to the enemy. Well, they're already cross-faction. Yeah, they're already cross-faction. If, if I buy... Are they? If, really? If, if, I didn't know that. Yep. If, just uh, ruined Nate's game, you have. <laughs> if an EP, <sighs> if an EP or an AD guild went into their gold zone of Ebonheart Pact, and bought a trader in Windhelm, you would see that guild in your zone. All the fact, all the things are connected. Oh, I feel see, so dirty. See, I, I may have bought I a Kuta rune from an AD. You could have, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, see, I kind of like the idea of there being boards throughout, like, cities and stuff. So, like, if you're in a Wayrest, <laughs> and you go to the board, and you buy, like, a Kunta from a trader all the way in Morrowind, then you're going to have to pay a little more... A little more travels gold or a little more extra gold for the longer expense. You know, that's something, that's neat. Something like that something like that would be a little more immersive, you know. So it's like, oh, it's just down the street in uh Alacare and I'm in Stormhaven or whatever it's called, so it's gonna be pretty cheap to get this. I'll, I'll just buy this right here, even though it's a little more gold than the one all the way in Alakir. I do like that. That would be kinda neat if if it But what they should do is they shouldn't in the zone to make it more immersive because if you go from a um, away shrine, it just teleports you free of cost. So it's really not much of an effort to go out. What they should do is they should literally just tell you 
like the zone it's in. Like it won't say the exact thing. Like if it's in Mournhold, it'll go, "Oh, this person is selling the Kuta rune cheap. It's in it's in Mournhold or not in Mournhold. It's in Deshawn." And then you go, "Oh, am I willing to pay the ten percent tax, or am I going to search all ten merchants in the zone?" Yep, I like this idea. I'm all about this because you you don't want to make it so inconvenient are so convenient that it's like, well, the merchant board's right here. I'll just run over to the Wayshrine, not incur any fee, not even a travel fee, and just go find it. Or am I willing to to search through 10, 15 stores to find it? Like, you, you've got to balance the the work versus the convenience. Say, giving the exact merchant name on the board isn't isn't enough to go, oh, I'm willing to accept the 10%, regardless of cost, because it's like, they told me exactly where it's at, I'll just port, you know? And if I'm at a way shrine using a port, then it's then it's essentially free, right? Like, it, it, it's just free. So you're not wasting anything. It's, it's, not, it's not even a, a choice at that point, unless you're super lazy. Um, okay. I, I'm I'm kind of let's let's just ask this one question yet about that because I would that's how I would like to see them improve. But let's let's just ask this: Which would you prefer? Would you prefer the global auction house like Guild Wars Two with the buy sell orders, or would you rather them just add a board for convenience? Which would you prefer? Let's just go around and just see what everyone's thoughts are. Uh, let's start with Nate because it's his topic. I like the idea of being able to see more things for sale so I suppose yes that would be a preferable way of doing things the board are the buy sell orders oh the board or the buy sell oh god can I have both well the problem with the <laughs> with the buy sell is the whole idea of it being a, a global auction house with it would be if they would do away with the guild traders and then it would be open to everybody without having to be in any guild. That's what I like. That's what I want. I don't want to be in a guild to sell my stuff. And I like the idea of there being a bunch of boards and stuff where I can go in easier, easier, more convenient way to get what I need and search for what I need. Yeah, so I guess the real option is, do they improve the guild traders by adding a global search board that requires you to either pay a fee for to, to buy it immediately or you go out and buy it or they scrap the guild traders um, and put a global auction house in that people would do buy and sell orders but then it's open to everyone regardless of them being in a guild or not that those are the choices hmm. I think I'd like to buy t- the, the listing option to be honest hmm. yeah because I want to be able to say look I've got this weird random old item and I, you know, I'm happy to sell it to you. I guess I think I'd rather have that. It makes buying and selling more convenient, but it does have. Here, here's the problem with with the buy sell orders. There is none of that random someone going up there and going, "Oh, I sold a Kuta rune for a hundred gold," because they would literally pull up the board and go, "Okay, let's search Kuta." Oh, people are. People are putting the average buy order is for three thousand eight hundred gold. The average sell order is for four point five k. You know, like they could see that. Whereas now with the guild store, you join a guild store. Go if you don't have the add on, you go. I don't know. I'm just gonna throw it up there. There's less chance of finding a deal, but prices are more standardized and it's open to everybody. Um, 
I think that's how I would prefer it to get rid of the guild traders because while I like them for the immersion that they provide, they do have issues, especially with the cap of players that not everyone sells like because they can't be bothered to be part of a trade guild, which is just a faceless corporation. They would rather just be able to buy and sell. So I think people would get more use out of the buy sell if they scrap the guild traders. That's what I'm I'm going for. Even with a board, even with a board that allowed you to search every guild trader in the game from one location, still doesn't do anything for the people who aren't part of those guilds who own the guild traders. I mean, if they're wanting to sell, not buying, buying people who are willing to buy, it helps immensely, but people who are wanting to sell, it doesn't. Whereas the second issue or the second one helps people who want to buy and sell, but it does hurt the seller a little more because the prices are pretty much constant and you can't overcharge or undercharge. Well, I guess you could if you really want to put a buy order up for one gold, but then it would be gone and then it would go back to average again. Um, Avi, you already said you would prefer the open board. Uh, Steldian, yeah. what about you? Uh, well, I'm biased, but I'd probably go with the, um, being able to list your things you want to buy or think, things you want to sell because, well, I'm not in any trade guilds because I can't bother to fanny around that kind of stuff. So right. I think I'd be... I mean, I appreciate what they've done with the guilds, traders and i can see their charm but and i hate to say this because it is a i hate to be i feel a bit dirty leaning towards the whole convenience factor because that's the plague of the modern gamer and <laughs> i know it's pretty bad but yeah it just it is more convenient and it opens up to those who don't have guilds that trade or or doesn't want to be part of it hell if you've got if you made it and you don't need to be in a guild anymore for selling frankly i'd rather lose the whole five guild thing as well because I've never liked the idea of multiple guilds. There's no, no loyalty there at all. It's just a bit casual. There we go. I can see again. Right. Well, I know we've talked about it on other our other podcasts, but the thing is, Elder Scrolls Online is a modern MMO. Yeah. <laughs> like, we were talking about the charm of... of of it. Yeah, and I do... I love the charm, too, because it does remind me of those older things and the immersion... But the problem is this game is a modern MMO. It's not designed from the ground up to be that way. And I think you would retain more players by adding in those convenience. Because the thing is, the whole game is designed about um, the modern gamer more than the old school guy who's willing to... Even raids are done in, in 10 minutes now versus the hours it used to take in older ones you know versus now so oh yeah it's, it's more the fact that i don't like global auction houses not cause, just because of the convenience but because of that it does tend to destroy an economy um yeah it does make things so easy i mean if you remember when this game came out there's the whole duping issue and people were concerned that the economy was going to be devastated and the reality is thanks to the fact that it isn't a global setting it didn't really touch the economy because with it all being pockets of sellers rather than one giant global house, no one knew those, and only the people who actually abused it and had their abundance of extra rare items or whatever mm-hmm. might have been selling things a bit lower or not. And but no, it's so isolated that other guilds had no idea, so they were selling at normal price. And unless someone jumped from guild to trade to guild trade to find it, you know, it kind of went unnoticed that there were some items that were 
a dime a dozen, which should have been worth thousands. So the duping had low impact thanks to not being a global auction house. So there were some benefits to it being how it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are definite benefits. Okay, guys, let's go ahead and let's move into our final section. If anyone has any thoughts on that before we move on to our tales, anyone have anything closing thoughts on the discussion? Nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. <laughs> All right. Let's start with tales and let's, uh, let's find out what we've been doing this week. And I got to go to the restroom again. Oh my goodness. So Nate, why don't you go ahead and start? <laughs> sure thing. Well, this, I, have, over the last month, I have been dedicating a lot of time to pvp um i mentioned earlier that i've done some pretty high scoring not high enough to be emperor or anything near close to that but high enough to at least appear pretty competent on leaderboards um which for me has been kind of eye-opening experience because when you start pvp and you don't know what you're doing necessarily everyone's just kind of running around killing each other and you have no idea what's going on and i don't think the game does a particularly good job at easing you in it's kind of you know, go and do this, but it's not really helping you sort of find groups and learn tactics, anything like that. So um, for me, it's been quite interesting learning the the tactics of playing Cyrodiil and actually starting leading some raids and feeling reasonably competent at leading small-scale battles. Um, so I've mostly been doing that... I still haven't finished Cadwell's Gold because I'm determined to have some brand new PvE left over to do. I never like feeling I have no PvE left. Um, well, now you got so, Orsinium coming. Yeah, well, Orsinium's, yeah, definitely. And Orsinium, I'm actually going to be in Dublin speaking at a conference about podcasts and machine intelligence uh, the, the day that Orsinium will be available for me to play. So... Um, I'm going to have to be playing some of that in my hotel room, but it's really nice to um, to to have some new PVE on the horizon. But for the last month, it's been all about PVP, I think, mm-hmm. for me. That's awesome. See, I like the Imperial City for what it is. It provided a type of PVP that was... I, I, I liked it because, honestly, my my preferred PVP style is actually open-world PVP with consequences like ultima online like you could kill anyone anywhere but you got a murder status like there were reasons not to do it like you could but there were reasons not to do it like in this game it would be kind of like the guards attacking you if you became a murderer you would be essentially locked out of going into a city for hours like they would just be like nope guards will instantly attack you for hours Um, see i I, the the reason i think i love it is for a long time and i mean months of playing eso i never went into pvp like i went in when it encourages you to join and i was like i have no idea what's going on here i am getting back to my argonians off i go um but i have to say i also didn't really fully appreciate how group based it is and there is a very, very, very big difference between being in Cyrodiil on your own, being in a group and not following the orders of your leader, and being in a good group that's well-led and everyone's following the leader. Because when you're running properly with that latter example, the entire nature of what PvP in this game is completely changes and is incredibly fun. But I had no idea that's what 
the PvP in this game was like. I would actually like to have more Cyrodiil-type PvP in the game, but with slightly different types of objectives. Because the objectives in Imperial City, even when they're PvP, it's basically kill a bunch of dudes. And in Cyrodiil, it's kill a bunch of dudes and capture keeps. You know, it's basically capture the flag with a bunch of deathmatch stuff in the middle. Um, so I would love to see kind of like a PvP arena maybe with some very small forts in where you can have you like you can have a a siege weapon in there or something i don't know i've just like the battlegrounds yeah basically yeah i'd I'd love to see i'd love to see that like could you imagine that like it's basically zerg versus zerg but since that seems to be what a lot of people in cyrodiil are doing anyway at least stick some rules in there and make something fun out of it here, here's I've been thinking about this way back, way back when we talked about battlegrounds and arenas, and I'm in favor of them if they do it in one way, okay? And and Nate, you can you'll be with me on lore. I don't want to see an instance battleground of Cyrodiil where I I have to queue up to be in it, right? Because I want to be able to visit those towns and those places without having to queue up into a battleground to do it. I would love for them to do battlegrounds and arenas in the uh, in the Oblivion realms. Because then you can make them whichever way you want it because the realms are fluid, they can change. You know, you could literally make a, a an instance arena or battleground that you're fighting over a Daedric relic or whatever against other people um are and it wouldn't take away from the world of exploring for PVP because Ashenvale, for instance, in uh, in 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 World of Warcraft, one of their one of their arenas was literally a, a capture flag. So you had one side night elf, one side orc, and it was always the same every single time. As I spray Khajiit, um, and the world just doesn't work like that. The way it's designed, I bat, the only way battlegrounds work for the hardcore PvPers and stuff is if they are balanced on both sides. So you can't yeah. have... Yeah. How much How much hate was there over Altric Valley because the Alliance had an, uh, um, an advantage because of how the map was set up? They tried to do something that made it look more real-worldy. Well, everyone knew that the Alliance had a... An, uh, because of the, the path they had, the way the, the mountains were shaped, that they, they just had a, a natural um, upper hand, and people hated it. Like, no one wanted to play the map because of it. Um, and they went back to the the standard, you know, it's perfectly a 10 by 10 square on this side and a 10 by 10 on this side. Um, and, and that's what people want. But because of how much I love the world, I wouldn't want them to take, like, Anvil and make it that way. Like, make Anvil a giant square, like, kind of like what they did with Cyrodiil with the perfect triangle. Because they did, but they cut off part of the, the world to kind of make it fair. But they didn't include all of it. I would rather them just use the Oblivion Realms because then you can make it whatever the heck you want it and you could claim lore that uh, it's just the way the Daedric Masters formed it for whatever reason. Oh, I love that idea. I love that idea. But you know what? That ju- I just had this really crazy flashback to um, the Xbox game Gears of War where one of the... I think it was a DLC that came out for it was where you could you could play as the enemy. I forget what they call the enemies in, in that game, but... Um, you could you could actually play as the 
alien enemies with all their skills. Like, wouldn't it be crazy if you could play as a Daedra and play as Molag Ball versus Vale and Aquarius? <laughs> that would be know. pretty neat. That would be pretty neat. Totally stupid, but probably quite fun. I mean, there's there's a lot of things they could do, but I, I really hope if they ever do release that, that they leave Cyrodiil the way it is. Because I like being able to explore Cyrodiil because it's Cyrodiil. I don't want you to make a perfect battleground that's evenly spaced at the risk of of breaking the lore and how the town actually was formed before. You know what mm. I mean? At least yeah. the Oblivion Realms, you can make it whatever the heck you want. Because they even say that the realms are ever-changing. So feel free to make whatever perfectly balanced battleground you want. And then then we're, we're a happy day. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, this is an interesting discussion born out of what I've done with my life for the last <laughs> month. I think I just hit the 30 do, 32 days played on Misa. Oh, I gotta do nice. plays now. Yeah, see what he just says. 44 days, 21 hours. Yeah, Misa, 32 days, 6 hours. Nice. I'll go add all my alts up. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I've got one alt I've played for about, I think, 7 days. It may be 8 days. It's the one I played my my brother. Um, this this girl's 4 days that I'm playing right now. Well. We are 11. I will say, Avi, I think we fished all the fish out of this lake. <laughs> I can't find like, it anymore, I think we man. drove all the fish to extinction in this lake. <laughs> I just want a perfect row. Somebody on the EU server, please send me if, a perfect if you, row. I was going to say, if you were on NA, I'd send you one of mine. Oh. But you're not. You I, just passed one of Jellos. I did? Yeah. Oh, I did. It must have just popped up. All right. Um, was that all for your tales for this week? Yes, that's my entire tale, so to speak, for this week. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Um, Estelle Dean, have you been playing or are you still on a hiatus? Uh, still somewhat of a hiatus. I was thinking of putting a few hours in to sort of ease my way back in, but I thought, well, with Ossinium coming next week and obviously the catch-up mechanic coming in, uh, yeah. my, my DK having all of gold content to do, I thought, well, why do it now? I have to get 400,000 for a chat point, whereas if I just wait another week, it will be changed and I can just sort of reap the benefits from that while I quest to. So I decided to delay my return for a little while longer. That makes sense. I've actually been thinking the same thing. I haven't been actively doing quests because I'm at that 400,000 for a champion point. And the catch-up mechanic, I'll be looking at getting champion points very quickly because I'm only at 155 right now. So I will benefit pretty greatly from the catch-up mechanic. So I've been saving all my quests and stuff. So that should definitely help me. Um, Avi. All right. Yeah, well, let's let's talk. My, let's talk. Well, my week's been a little different since there's no alt talk because I've only been playing one character, and I sort of call her my main now because I'm pretty much addicted to playing her. She's my Breton Temp- my Breton Templar. She's VR11. Her name's Estelle of the North. Um, I just uh, I've been working on getting all my weapons. Like I said last time, to level 50. Now I only need two-handed and bow for her. Mm-hmm. I got level 10 in fighter skilled, and I'm working on level 10 in major skilled. And I'm also working on my champion points, like you guys said. But I'm about, I think I'm about 10 away from 300. So I'm, I'm up there. Yeah. Uh, how do you, how do you know how many champion points you've got? Other you than just got to, you just, you just got to scroll over the little progression bar on the top left corner where it says your level. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it, it says like you are rank something champion 
Huh. And yeah, that's how many you're... points you have. Yeah, and the rank yeah, you are is how many points tells you have. You as well. If you've got the... <laughs> Is it Wicked's Toolbar or whatever? I think I have Wicked's level, Toolbar. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think I might tell I you how many off. points you got. Oh, yeah. I've got 149. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I got, about, I got about 282 or 285 now, something around there. I'm not sure. Well, at least for you, with, with the alts you play, so many of your alts are already veterans, so they all help. That's what I've yeah, been trying exactly. to do with mine. All my characters are veteran except one and. He's yeah, then set a, he's been set aside for now. Then everything you play is at least see. I love that mechanic. The fact that once you're champion, that's what I've been trying to do with mine. Um, and I'll jump in here real quick with mine. Like I've been playing my uh, Khajiit Dragon Knight because I I was just messing around with her on the other day. I don't even know why, but I actually realized, oh, I'm only like four quests away from finishing Shadowfen, so I finished Shadowfen, and now I'm yeah, kind of the bigger player. Yeah. Um, but I don't like playing her because any time that I spend on, like, I only have two characters that are veteran rank. My main, which is VR 16, and my one alt that I got the VR 2. Um, but you finally finished Shadowfen. I know. Well, that means I might actually have a third veteran rank character because I actually enjoy going through, uh, East March and the Rift. I never get tired of those zones. I don't know why. I just don't. That's because you're a Nord. I am a Nord, yeah. and I, I love those Nords. zones. It's because of the uh, decent zones in EP. <laughs> True. I, I, I really like Falkreath, and I really... I, I cannot wait to see Solitude. Like, Solitude is like my favorite city. Oh, yeah, yeah. when they get there, yeah, they're going to be the best part of the game. But I can't wait for that. I can't Solitude wait for that. is by far my favorite city in the game I just, that's where i have the house with like 500 physics engine breaking cheese wheels stacked up <laughs> yeah i have i have my mead room in the solid in my proud spire manor or whatever it's called yeah, that's it proud you, spire. You, open, you open the door and the mead just starts pouring on out that's, that's great that's what my Gotta friend make... did with all of his dead wives <laughs> in that story in game dead that. wives that is. in game dead wives Sure. By the way, why did you go with the uh, the mongrel race, the Breton? Ooh. Breton? Breton has easily become my favorite race in this game, and I think it's mostly since I I tried to play for the Daggerfall Covenant. I don't know what it was. I think it really all started with watching the cinematic and seeing that badass Breton, the Nightblade dude, and I was just like, dude, that is me. I'm like, I, I want that to be my character so bad. So I still don't have a Breton Nightblade, but... Uh, Bretons make awesome healers, too. Yeah, they're, they're just they're one of the best magic classes. I wanted to just go for something that was best of the best. I already have a VR-16 Imperial Templar that I could have easily made a healer. But my state of mind was I'd rather have it a Breton. And I know this is kind of weird, but I always picture my healer to be a female. So I wanted a, I wanted a female a female tune. You know, it's weird. It's just sexist. It's, it's actually <laughs> I know, not. I only say it's sexist. It's, it's not just... sexist, and I'm gonna say this: um, if you look at it uh, from a like a psychology point of view, if you look at the numbers, more females play healers in in games than males do, and I honestly think it's because of the maternal nurturing instinct that most females have. Like it's just the way it it goes. Most females have that that not 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 all. Don't get mad at me here, but it is true if you look at the numbers. Most females have a more maternal or nurturing aspect than men do, and in MMOs they tend to play healers. I mean, uh, Stelling, what's your wife play? 
I, I agree entirely. My wife's a healer. My, My wife's a healer, healer. too. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I just can't do DPS. I don't know why. I just, I don't like DPS because it just doesn't feel right to me, but I like healing everybody. That's that maternal mother instinct. Now, obviously, my wife is now a mom and, and you know, but that's just how she's always been. She likes the support character. She likes the helping. And that's a generally uh, female characteristic, just if you look at it um, from a psychology point of view. Um, so while I may have offended a lot of the feminists, it is true, though. If you look at the numbers, they don't lie. And that's why I play a female healer. <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense. It really does. But yeah, back back to the question. It, that's why I chose Bre- uh, Brighton. It's simply because the magic. I I like the yeah. magic and the female healer. I just she's so pretty too. It's she's the best. She's the well, best. She's and so I, I pretty. She's so. She's pretty. probably part alien. Anyway, I, I her name's Estella the North, and in my mind, she's a Nord. And, like, she's also my character in Skyrim. I have Estella the North, but she's a Nord in Skyrim. So, in my mind, she's a Nord, but technically, her passives say she's a Breton. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, yesterday, Breton's, yesterday, a, Breton's are half Nords anyway. Exactly. And yeah. yesterday, Ark, Ark said yesterday uh, that do she we, does look a little Nord. So. Do, do we have to argue that point, Nate? Because I, I tend to think that's not necessarily true. Because the, the Breton race, here we're going to get into lore... Uh, the Breton race was um, a combination of the interbreeding between the Aelids, mostly of the uh, Dreni hegemony, yeah, um, and the local Nidic people, which actually share a more common ancestry with the current day Imperials. Uh, the Nords being a subsect um, from Atmora, they were from a completely. The Needs were the inhabitants here on tamriel nords are technically aliens if you think about it in a geopolitical sense that they immigrated from atmora to tamriel and skyrim whereas the needs were the humans that were innately here along with a few other subsets such as the cutheringi and in shadowfen um not shadowfen uh, black marsh as a whole i thought um, brightons just kind of came from all all male races, just kind of the borderline of the, the male and the human and elf race. Like if a human and elf, uh, what's yeah. it called, a uh, kid went on well, they, long enough, even if it was a Nord, soon enough become a Breton. You could. They argue. used to be called. They used to be. They used to call them Manma. You know. Yep, the Manma. Manma. I do remember. Yeah, Manma. Right. The Aldma. Aldma. Sorry, the Aldma. Yeah, because they do have. That's why. From the racial point of view, why they are better with magic because of their elven heritage. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess I guess so. But see, I find the reason why I say it's hard for a Nord is because the Nords have such a hate of the knife ears. As I drop a racial slur for elves, that I, even if they were slaves, I don't think they could ever be willing slaves. I mean, yeah, slaves generally aren't willing, but I mean, they I can't imagine a Nord ever laying down with uh, a Mur of any kind because of the the racial hatred, at least as far back as when the Breton race first started, because this happened over generations of the men. You, Mur. This is this is true. You say that. But I think that this is where it gets really interesting and and sort of philosophical, because like on the on the very the very big level yes like they never would but on a very 
on a micro level, on a small level, there definitely would be there would be Nords with Aliads. There would be all of this stuff that would be happening. Probably if it could if it could happen, it probably did. Well, you also like, got were, it. You got it. There were Aliads. There were Aliads helping slaves during the rebellion. Anyway, not even. Hold on. Hey, hold on. Let me just say the USCP, UESP says although the origins of the Nidic people are hot hotly debatable. The most widely accepted theory is that they come from Atmora in many waves and are arriving in what is now known as Skyrim. So technically, that'd make them a little more towards the Nords, right? The, that would, but like they said, that was my that was my belief. Yeah, that very well could be. But the Nidic people, like, it doesn't explain the racial differences uh, between like the Nords and the, the Needs that were here before, because the Needs were here long before, and the Elves were one of the first people here in Tamriel, uh, except for the, the native inhabitants, which... Because all, all original human races, not originals, and not like the uh, people who came from the original um, the Tamriel, I can't think of the name. At Atta, the original spirits? Yeah, or, you know, there's the... Um... Over where the Yukudans and the, uh, the Redguard come from. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. Yeah, and most other humans besides that place all came from Atmora, right? I think that might be... Uh, other than Kathringi, I think, yeah. Some of the lesser... I'm not, sure about, I'm not too sure about the Kathringi. Interesting. Well, you also got... It, when, he, when he was talking about the, the meta of whether or not the Nords would be with, with elves. You also got to take into the fact that you, you can't just take in the, the love factor. What about the rape factor? What about the, the war factor? Like when the, the, the uh, Nords came to help Alessi and, and their rebellion, it's a common known trait uh, of medieval warfare that when a city was taken, the spoils were handed out. And one of the ways they paid the men was they were allowed to have their way with the women of the town of the captured town. So if they took over an al- an alien city, it would not be uncommon for the Nordic men in the, uh, to uh, assault the, the females. And there were bastard children sprung from such events in, in at least our history i don't see how it wouldn't also affect theirs what i what i don't get about the bretons is simply that uh why they say that if like a a high elf and a nord have a baby together it's gonna come out to the mother so how is there a mixed race they tend to they tend to favor the female traits but over time if you think about it if if you had um a male a male elf mating with a female We'll just say a need, whatever. It would take on the traits, at least physical traits, of the mother. So it would look more human, but it would still have some of the DNA from the elven male. Now, and over more towards like attitude and power and within strength. Like if it's a Nord, but the mom's a high elf, then that high elf might be a little more buffer and can probably handle the cold just a little better. But technically, he's still a high elf. Because you're getting traits from both parents. Now, of course, now we're talking genetics, and you have recessive versus uh, dominant traits, which ones show up. But over time, of course, then you have that, that, that bastard offspring of these two different species who then mates with maybe someone of their own race. Um, I mean, this is very common of interracial... Um, in, in, in the real world, interracial couples, if a... If, if a black and a white um, person 
copulate and they have a certain child. Like, let's just say a black and a white get together and then they have a white child. That white child could then uh, breed with another white child and actually produce a black offspring because the traits from the one parent are still in the genetic code of that child. Wow, we just really went crazy with that. I was going to say, this is this well, just got deep. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> it, we're talking about what it is true. Weren't we t- it's true. Man. It, it, and I'm enjoying it. It would be kind of odd, though, if you were the product of that union and, and you had uh, a different color baby. Would you start looking at your spouse going, did you yeah, cheat on me? Especially if you didn't know. Yeah, especially if you didn't know about genetics and be like, what, did, did you mess around? Like, it's, it's uh, not even no. my baby. Yeah, it's the same way to 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 uh, um, a black that black child could then go with another black and then have a, a white child as well. Like it's just interesting with genetics how that all works because the the traits the DNA that went into making that individual child are still in that child, and that's how the Bretons, at least from this point of view, have that higher magical resistance and magical use because of their elven forefathers who are hands down more adept with the arcane than the human races but now the over time and the mixture of the bloodlines has caused this type of hybridization with the bretons to allow them to have those magical traces from their ancient alien or you know uh ancestry wow that was our lore bit i knew we were gonna have have one as well it could be. Uh, much... given, that, given that Nord traits are really crap, they're definitely not going to be the dominant trait, which is, explains why, <laughs> despite being part Nord, the Breton gets all the decent traits. That, that could be true. It could which be true. Which is why my girl's a Breton. <laughs> I mean, hey, it is what it is. Sorry, Pretty much sorry, all no we know is. for sure is that it's a mixture between the human races, the men, and the myrrh that made the Bretons. We know it's... Uh, the more need, than the needs and the aliens are the the main two kind of races they talk about when it comes to the making of the Nords, or of the of the Bretons. Oh, the Bretons. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, the yeah, but then it's then we're getting into a whole other lore thing about who exactly were the needs. Like, where did they originate from? Why are they di- Why are they considered different from the Nords if they came from Atmora? Which, I mean, there could have been a mixture of the native populaces as well, whether it be the Cathringi or whatever other human race. I know there were a couple just, other Just human like races. in Akavir, there's there's multiple races in Akavir, just like this could have been a, could have been a different branch of people from a whole different part of Atmora than where Yskraborn and the 500 companions came from. I mean, who can actually say how big Atmora is? So Yeah, well, I know it's, it's apparently fairly large in, in scale. But yeah, most only... of it's frozen. But I mean, we have races who live underground, like the Falmer, and so I mean, people could our races could live through pretty much anything, right? Um, so yeah, more tales. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> my, my the last part of my tales was actually involving you yeah. because I healed my I healed my first two dungeons. Yeah, and uh, didn't just heal them; we three manned them both. We did to an ex- to an extent. Yeah, I think uh, uh, only Imperial City. We did Imperial City. This was on normal because we wanted to do them for the story. So Arkanir, Avi, and myself decided we're going to get together. We're going to do this. We have the tank. We have the healer. We got the DPS. 
Um, we tried finding DPS, but for some odd reason, no one wanted to come. So it's like, yeah, we'll three-man it. But we went in for the story, so we were taking our time. Got tons of screenshots. Tons of screenshots. Tons of screenshots. <laughs> yeah. We saw the Ruby throwing, and we were like, all right, well, let's just kill these guys real fast so we can, <laughs> so we can take some pictures. I think we spent 20 minutes taking screenshots. Okay, you sit oh, in the yeah. throne. Okay, do idle too so we can stand next to the throne. Yeah. It's my favorite part of the game right there, man. I mean, that's what I do in Skyrim. So, I mean, I'm all about that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was, that was definitely a lot of fun. Um, and we talked about it before. We both did them. Like, I know you and I did the white gold tower before, but we, we I know I was kind of doing it with the blinders on because I didn't, the people I went with, I went with Kilted. Um, I can't remember who the other two people were. I think Me. one was, was it you? Yeah, it was you, yeah. Kilted. But then we had someone from uh, another. One of, Kilted, one of Kilted's guilds. Yeah. She and... came, he, he brought her over. Yeah, because we needed a healer. Um, but I know we didn't want to do the story because as, as much as I think she's like, we don't, I don't mind. I don't mind. I, how long were we in Imperial City Prison, excluding the fact that I had uh, home inspectors at my house, so I had to keep leaving? We were, uh, we're in there forever. It was, it was like a very... Five hours. <laughs> yeah, now probably about an hour and a half of that or two hours of that was a home inspector. But even so, we were going at a very slow pace. We were poking our nose in every corner. We were reading every letter. We were we were having a good time with that. We wanted to see the story um, without just rushing through. So that first time we did it, I didn't want to do the quest because I didn't I didn't want to I didn't want to make this person wait on us because with Ark and you. And me, we all went in with the mentality of this is what we're going to do. We didn't care. Like when one of us finished reading a book, we're like we were actually uh, talking about like uh, the note we found about uh, finally escaping. Remember, I pointed out I'm like, did you guys read that letter about I finally got enough rope? And oh, I, I finally found a way out. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. And then Danajellas goes, I, I read it and I don't really get it. And I'm like, oh, she found a way out of here. What the heck? And Angelus goes, yeah, look up. And I look up and she's hanging from the ceiling and it's like, oh, she found a, she found a way out. She right. found she a way out. Well. Yeah, and that was just... And Nate, you can probably appreciate that. Like, the amount of work with the subtle details, like this this depressing note of I finally found a way out. And she's like, I've been scavenging extra towels and rope that I could find in parts and I finally found my way out. And then you find her hanging because she didn't want to get tortured by the Daedra. Like, yeah, that kind of stuff really bugs me. I still remember one of the most harrowing times was when you found the um, uh, the the cave with a woman who had the bandages around her eyes. Yeah, do you remember? It was in um, oh, it was, where she got her eyes eaten out by the uh, yeah. Hagraven. The Hagravens, that was it. Yeah, and she I was just like, my eyeballs out. Yeah. I was sitting there just for a minute afterwards, thinking, dude, dark, very dark. Well, that was very- like um, one of. Thaisa's favorite quest in Stonefalls with Bala. Is that Stonefalls? No, no, not no, that not one. That quest. Her oh, right. favorite was the one with Bala, where you find this 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 poor outlander who was in love with this uh, Dunmary noble, and she's like, "Oh, I love him, I love him, but he died, and they won't tell me where he buried him, and I can't, you know, I can't live without him." So you go and find him, and you find his spirit, and his wife is there too. And it was a joke between the two of them. Oh, I remember that. And you get the choice whether or not to tell oh. her. And we were I like, tell her. "Well, we told her." But did you know if you go up to uh, 
Ebonheart and walk along the river, you find her body. She jumped from the bridge and killed oh, herself. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh no. Yeah, wow. like you actually like she doesn't appear until you do that quest. But if you do that quest, you tell her like it was all a joke. They didn't really love you. She's like, no, I don't believe you, and she runs off. And if you go to Ebonheart, you find her body laying on the beach underneath one of the bridges. She took have, her own life. And they have you great quests in this game. My God. See, I thought I remember hurt. That's not even part of the quest. You would only find it by exploring. Go, wait, I know her. Wait, why is her body here? Yeah, I like, remember this one quest in a DC area where you're talking you find a red guard and the red guard pretty much goes, Oh, I need to get my wife she's been captured by a daedra or something and you go and you save his wife and you you can like sacrifice him in place of his wife and then you save his wife and you take his wife out and she has no memory of him or anything and she's like what i don't even i don't even know who you're talking about and the guy just like sacrifices himself for his the love of his life and she doesn't even remember anything is that like, is that the one where you can choose to leave them both with the spider yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you can just leave I, them both I, I with always the leave spider. both I, I think that Issa and I left them both too because they they just wanted to be together. As much as it pained me to knowing that the Spider Daedra was feeding off their essence, at least they would have been together. Like she's like, well, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you if you save the orc, she has no idea who that guy is when you bring her out. She's completely oblivious. She's like, and then you talk to her after completing the quest, and she's like, that name sounds so familiar. But oh well, I can't. I can't place a hand on it. Oh, that is awful. <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> but, but like Aww. Deidre says that it sucks their life out of them, but it's a slow, peaceful death. They're enjoying themselves inside their imaginary place. It seems like a good place to be. So yeah, I left them both yeah. there. But then again, I also thought crazy um, mage guild guy. I was like, oh yeah, she'll love to live with him in the crazy house. So. Oh yeah. Think? So you know, <laughs> maybe my idea of what's good and what's not isn't necessarily the best. Yeah, well, for that for that quest, I almost like to retcon my d- decision because I really wouldn't want to leave her with him, but I couldn't give up the skill point. And I mean, I guess that's oh, really the choice, but I don't I, know. I, I, if you give up your skill points to give Shio to not give Shio girl that girl Shio Gorath that girl and the the mage's girl, I'm sorry, you're. You're, you're dumb. <laughs> crazy. Give her away. Send her away. You're never gonna hear from it again. Like I said, she's one of the... anyway. Oh yeah, she had to go with the butterflies. Yeah. yeah, she was well excited about going. So you know. Right. Right. Um. Okay. Well, I mean. But yeah. Back, yeah. Back to tales. That was pretty yeah. much it. And after that, we also ran uh, the white. We ran Weichel Tower. Then we ran uh, Imperial City Prisons. Prisons. We took it all the way to the last boss, just us three, and we couldn't take that boss. We had to pull in a fourth guy, and it went down really fast after we got the guy. But we got close. <laughs> we got pretty close. I think it was more a frustration than uh, not being able to do it if we just stepped to it. Uh, but... A8, are you still here? Yeah, I'm hey, still here. Would you? I, I got your message. Would you like to... Um... Do your little sign off now so people can do it and we'll finish the episode. Yeah, I just I, I have suddenly had to duck out. Um it's very late and I have an extremely early start tomorrow morning. So I wanted to say Dankeschön, Arigatagazima, thank you very much. Whatever language you wish. And um I will uh, I've had a good show. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, if you're in EP on the uh EU server then please do add me. I'm Langton101, L-A-N-X-O-N, 101. 
And um, yeah, hit me up in game for some, well, particularly right now, for some PvP fun. You have a new Twitter too, right? If people want oh, to Oh yeah, I actually there. don't know what that is. What is it? Is it Nate? I think it's Nate Eso. N-A-T-E, no, Eso Nate. Hang on. I literally just set this up like a day ago. I can't remember what it was. And here I'm trying uh, I'm trying to I? help you out here and, and we don't I'm trying to look at it too. Yeah. So at N A T E E S O. There you go. And that's my Elder Scrolls specific one. And I really because I have about like eleven, twelve thousand followers on my other account because it's kind of my work and journalist account that I use. So it's really hard to tweet about things like Man, who misses the ghost snake and, um, you know, <laughs> tweeting about achievements for killing him, Argonians or whatever. It's, I, I decided, you know what, now's the time to separate these two things out and allow me to go full ESO geek on one and, you know, keep the the other one slightly more, not professional, but, you know, free of uh, ghost <laughs> as snakes. As long as you didn't and... up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think when well, he starts doing I erect the spine of on there, people yeah. be going, uh... What? <laughs> yeah, I'm yet to, I'm yet to include that in any of my like uh, meetings with CEOs about German businesses. It's you know very rarely have I erected anything in those meetings. My own. <laughs> the lid of my MacBook. Nice, nice. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. As always, you're fantastic to have on the show. We love having you here, and uh, it was fun talking lore. Yeah, well, I'm you know I'm always up for talking lore. My my time schedule these days have made it incredibly difficult to do regular podcasting. I do my own show text message, which anyone listening can check out if you're interested in technology in Europe. Um, but being able to do regular podcasting outside of that and outside of work has been incredibly difficult. So having opportunity to to jump in and out every now and again on on a show is always very nice to be able to do. So thank you. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, try to grab you in as often as you want to come in. So awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. And uh, yeah, see you uh, coming, next time. Yeah, thank you. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Uh, oops. I keep doing that. All right. Let's see here. Okay, we were talking about White Gold Tower. I just had to get Nate in there so that he could, oh, definitely. Uh, could, could yeah. mention he wanted to, he had to leave, unfortunately. So there we go. Yeah, sure. well, what I was saying was, was that uh, it was uh, Imperial City Prison. We had to pull in a fourth guy to finish the last boss. The last boss was killing us. He was in... Like I said, we could have we could have got him if we gave it a couple more tries and we calmed down our frustration. But I was hungry, Ark was tired, and we, yeah. we had we had to, we had to finish it up. But came back came back today this morning, bright and early for a uh, White Gold Tower. Cleared it just us three all the way, and uh, yeah, it was really fun. Great yeah, story. It it was such a good story. Oh my goodness! Now <clears throat> I know I talked about this earlier. Which was your favorite? Oh man, you know, like like I said before, uh, the White Gold Tower is my favorite to explore because it's just, it's just funner to explore, and they have this amazing scene in it where the whole building roof blows up, and mm-hmm. the the whole idea of it's so much more funner and cooler sounding. But the bosses, the mechanics all around the Imperial City Prison, way more fun. Uh, felt felt like such such more of a challenge in the Imperial City Prison, but overall, I'll probably go with the White Gold Tower. Um, I'm gonna see. I really like that 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 final boss, the Lord Warden, was just insanity, and I loved every second of it. 
maybe the fact that I had beaten Mole Cannon before might have went into it. And, and normal mode is easier. Yeah. But we actually had to pull in another DPS because we weren't able to get the shades down in time. And maybe that was my fault more than anything because I was the sole DPS. And Mole Kenna didn't have such a hard DPS, um, a, a, such a hard DPS uh, fight. Like there was nothing in there that required you to do a certain amount of DPS in a small amount of time. Unlike the Lord Warden, where if we we always set, tended to die at the second set of shades yeah. because they would start targeting. By that point, you were low in magicka. You know, like it, it, we were, we had already been fighting for a while. So you were low on Magicka. They would all start throwing their fire or spirit balls or whatever kind of balls hit us. Those um, spirit balls. As soon as Ark lost to aggro on one of them and those spirit balls started hitting you, it makes it impossible to get a res up. Mm-hmm. It's just like, ugh, if you don't have a self heal or something like that, you're going down pretty quick. And even with the self heal, it was so hard to stay because they were hitting you for like five, six grand a piece. And yeah. we only have 20k. And there's five of them throwing at you. <laughs> you were pretty much like one shot because they all were like, oh, let's all target Avi. Well, <clears throat> you got five of us hitting for 5K. You know, that's 25K. You don't even have that much help. Well, that's that's not even good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was definitely very rough. Um, definitely rough. But I, ju- I just enjoyed that fight so much. I liked when he flew up in the air and did his big AOE and you're like, we were shouting over TeamSpeak, hey, big AOE coming, everyone block. Like, there was a lot of stuff that was just really, really fun on that and fight. I love how I love how he, he's kind of watching you throughout the dungeon. <gasps> yeah. Like if you look if you look up, you'll see him just like sitting on a balcony, just like staring over like the second boss fight, just like watching, going, Okay. And then all of a sudden you walk up to him at the main boss and he's on the edge and you walk in and he jumks down and it's already it feels like a real boss fight, like it, it really does. good. It does. It really does. Um, it was really good. And I do like the white. I think the reason why I like the white gold tower was because of the aesthetics that it is the white gold tower, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the story was really good. But in the end, I just wasn't very fond of of a lot of the, the fights. The um, I'm trying to remember the first boss in white gold tower I hear is pretty difficult on veteran because you have to do something with those lightning poles up at the top. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it is now, but there is something different. The first boss is essentially a giant harvester. She's nothing really to shake a the being thrown into a lock cage is interesting that if you don't have ledgermine skill to force lock, you actually have to lock pick it. Um, that is kind of interesting mechanic. Um, yeah, and then the flame atronach. The flame. You gotta kind of, you gotta push that button and deal with the 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 elder sight. Yeah, no, that was yeah. that was a fun one. The three dragon knights was just a general con. See, I've done a lot That's of raiding. Well, it is a fun fight, but I've done a lot of raiding, and most council fights, which is what they're called, are essentially the same. Like you have a healer, you have a DPS, you have a, a tank, and in reality, it wasn't really. <clears throat> a lot of mechanics that were hard. It's just you had to deal with three guys who had individual abilities. And it was pretty difficult until we figured out, let's just not focus on the healer and focus yeah, I was on... going to say, but most of the time, your main thought is, all right, let's take the healer down first. And that definitely wasn't the case for this fight. Leave the healer up all the way to the end. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, we were able to take out the tank first, which was surprising because I guess the heels didn't heal as much as as it... Well, she could be interrupted, so, you know, she starts healing, interrupt her, and that's gone for a bit. Again, we're taking into account we were three-manning this, and I am not the best DPS on the planet. A lot of it doing with my ping. It's hard for me to weave. Um, So it was my first time healing. Yeah, but... The thing is, she also puts that that aura down that just heals her. So she constantly has those heals going, and we just weren't doing enough damage to her before the other guys just nuked us. Especially when they laid down three banners on top of each other. Ugh. Definitely, Ark. Which one's yours? <laughs> yeah, Ark. I think Ark said he, his favorite was the uh, White Gold Tower as well. Yeah, but I I like the prison. The prison was longer. Oh my goodness, it was like a twenty minute walk with no bosses or anything. It's like. We we pulled the final DPS in on the final boss, and we pulled him in. And it's like, is he not here yet? Oh, he's in the dungeon. He's just and then and then he wayshrines it. I'm oh. sorry. We're like we're like, oh no, <laughs> yeah, no, oh no, he wayshrined. He didn't res. He wayshrined when we wiped. Oh no. Yeah, and that was rough. Um, but yeah, that's that was kind of my week as well. But yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Week. That was so much fun. And uh, now that we have a healer with you, we got to start doing a DSA. Yeah, I need to get that title. I saw both of you guys with that Dragon Star Arena title, and my my title still says volunteer, and I'm like, aw. Well, we could probably get you the Dragon Star. At least the Dragon Star Arena one is just normal. We could probably three-man that. Oh, yeah, that's that's the plan. Me and Arca are already talking about it. Oh, we can do that for you pretty easily. Yeah, that shouldn't be an issue. All right, guys, uh, that's about it for Tales. So let's go ahead and wrap up the show to tell people where they can find us and all of that. Um, I guess first off for the show, if you're interested in following us, you can follow us on DungeonCrawlerNetwork.com. That's our website. You can find all of our podcasts, our guides, and all that fun stuff, the Dungeon Crawler uh, webcomic. All of that is all over there on our website. If you want to support us, you can donate to us via our Patreon at patreon.com slash dungeon crawler network are uh there's a link on the website if you'd just rather do flat donation none of this is required of course it all helps us out uh you can help us out by just sharing us with your friends that helps us out as well uh you can follow our video podcast on youtube at youtube.com slash dungeon crawler network we are available on itunes stitcher all those fun places and you can find us on twitter at tales of tamriel so definitely check those out uh guys great show i had a blast uh stellian go ahead and give your final thoughts and uh where people can find you uh yeah well you can find me on twitter i guess at at stellian you can find me in game at stellian otherwise obviously you can contact via the dungeon crawler network because well i'm there too um as for uh the show yeah it was uh, nice to have nate on again Mm mm-hmm uh, I think the last time he was on, I might not have been on. So, always fun to have another Brit around. And I do look forward to having a little peek at Orsinium. Unfortunately, I have to buy it with crowns because I don't actually have a sub anymore. But I've got 14,000 crowns sitting around. Hence so. <laughs> <laughs> why the sub stopped because I'm kind of collecting these things for nothing at the moment. So, I decided to save a bit of cash and maybe use up my crowns. And then, who knows, maybe ESO Plus again in the future. Right. All right. Uh, Avi. 
Yeah, it was a really good episode. I'm looking forward to the future of myself in ESO now that I'm doing healing. And uh, can't wait to get into Orsinium tomorrow. Tomorrow. Wow. Yeah. Um, as for myself, you can find me on Twitter at Agelos, A-G-G-E-L-O-S underscore W-O-F. You can find me in-game at Agelos, spelled the same way, just without the W-O-F. Um, I had a blast on the show. I liked our topics we talked about, the uh, the guild store. That was from Nate, so thank you, Nate, for bringing that along. And um, I would say I'm excited about Orsinium tomorrow, but I have not moved to my new house yet, so therefore my internet is still crap. So I will probably play it probably three days from now. So say you might move into a new house before you finish downloading in your old house, surely. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. That's a very good possibility. So, But otherwise, great show. I had a lot of fun talking about it and everything we got to talk about. So thank you so much for listening, everyone, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. And join us next week again as we do another Tales of Tamriel. Everyone have a wonderful evening, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. A serpent lights the ancient sky and red of tainted stars. Evil stirs and in its wake the souls of mortals wake. Sorry.
To the beauty of dawn 